This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the 2023 NBA Draft Show presented by your boys at No Ceilings and ladies. We got Paige coming on a little in a little bit, but... With me right now, Tyler Rucker, Tyler Metcalf. You know who I am. I'm Draft Deeper. I'm Nathan Grubel. Guys, this is it. We're finally here. All of the hard work has led us to this moment. Do we feel confident about the mock draft we just put out this morning, or is it all going to go up in flames, Rucker? What, what do you think? With this year's class, I do not feel confident at all. But okay. no, I think we did. I'm proud of the No Ceilings crew. I think we did a great job of, of working the – the grounds and the behind the scenes and kind of trying to get the buzz for all the fans out there. Thank you guys for all the kind words we've gotten today, this whole week. It's been awesome. Um, I feel good about the mock Nathan, but the problem is one trade messes up everything. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of trades tonight. There's going to be a lot of chaos. So I'm feeling good though about tonight. I'm excited to be doing this show with you guys and the whole crew. How are you guys doing? How are we holding up? I knew it was perfect that, Almost 20 minutes after we got off doing the mock last night, there was a trade that screwed it all up <laughs> immediately. So, you know, it, it the, the the second that we tried to do something and, you know, finalized it, it was like, oh, well, no, can't do that. So let the chaos ensue. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited for tonight. This is what the whole year builds up to. We obviously know who's going number one, number two, even number three. It's getting a little chaotic. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun filling the airtime for when the clock officially starts counting down that number one pick. I'm sure we'll we'll find some fun things to talk about with the San Antonio Spurs. But in the meantime, gentlemen, listen, it's been chaos all day long. Even going back to last night, Rucker's been texting the group constantly with all of the odds updates <laughs> and everything shifting. The, the money at this moment, Rucker, seems to be the Charlotte Hornets are going to take Brandon Miller. But obviously, we don't know until the pick's actually made on stage what what is your gut feeling in terms of who's charlotte's going to be taking at number two yeah it's been fun to kind of monitor the the money when it comes to vegas because obviously vegas has some pretty good sources but it's been wild to kind of chase it and i think it's because last year we were all obsessed with how quickly paulo just overnight became the heavy favorite we we're like what are you talking about jabari's been the number one pick this whole time why is it paulo now so now everyone's been paying close attention to that. It shifted last night heavy to uh, to Scoot. It shifted this morning to Scoot even more. Yep. And then now it's just gone back to Brandon Miller. So we're all over the place. Um, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN just posted a mock draft about five minutes before we came on here. He had Brandon Incredible. Miller going too. So I, it, no one knows. It's crazy. I still think I'm going to stick to the no ceilings agreement and I'm going to go with Brandon Miller too. I know it's a little chaotic for everyone, but um, we're going to find out. It's really exciting that almost the odds are kind of right at the same point right now. I think the last time I looked, Brandon Miller was minus 190. So it, that's, you know, money moves in Vegas. So I'm not overwhelmed by those odds. It could go either way. It's going to be a coin flip. It's going to be exciting. Metcalf, what do you think about the events that have played out today going on in, in Charlotte? I mean, did, 
honestly, it seems to me, it feels like maybe Charlotte was posturing a little bit to try and get somebody to bite at trading yeah. up to number two with, you know, leaking that there may be interest in Scoot Henderson this morning. I actually do think they've been Brandon Miller this whole time. I do think the sources have nailed it, but what are your thoughts about kind of what's been going on the last 24 hours with that number two pick? Oh my God. Just, it, it feels based on the reporting, it's just constant indecision. Um, and obviously they're not going to come out and tell us right away, you know, a month in advance who they're going to take because they're trying, like you said, they're trying to build value for it, get someone to bike, get someone to overpay. Um, but I, I would be sprinting to the podium to select Scoot Henderson. He's the, yeah. the exact type of player that I would dream about building a franchise with. Um, you know, I've called him Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook's body. It's, Guys like him don't come around that often. And that's mm-hmm. not to diminish what Brandon Miller is as a player because he's incredible and this is a wings league. And if he's going to reach his you know, peak outcome, that's an all-NBA wing. Another guy who's really, really good to build a team around. It just feels like Charlotte's drafting for fit. And when you're drafting for fit at number two, I think you just set your team up for long-term disaster. Rucker, I've sounded like a a broken record probably the last few weeks when trying to discuss Scoot Henderson, because I think a lot of people would look to us and, and they know the quality analysis we're bringing day in and day out over no And we've written plenty of words about both Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller breaking their games down. But I just keep coming back to the type of person that I keep hearing that Scoot Henderson is right. The leadership, the professionalism that he's going to bring to a locker room from day one. And again, that's not dismissing Brandon Miller as a player. It, probably not even dismissing him as a person, right? I just haven't heard the same type of things about Brandon off the court or people, you know, jumping at the bit to talk and and say some of the things they heard about Scoot Henderson. That type of person would just be who I want to select. And number two, if I'm an organization that really hasn't had a direction for a lot of years, right? Like they've been in and out of the play-in race, even with LaMelo Ball, they've been, you know, trying to get into the play-in and ultimately make the playoffs. But there just hasn't been, to me, direction firm direction in the organization and with scoot they would have that do you think they're going to be able to have that with brandon miller do you think that he is the type of player that if they do look to bring him in he's the type of guy that can complement Lamelo ball and maybe help them get back in the playoff race it's going to be interesting because I'm, I'm right there with you guys i think every single person i've talked to has just raved about you know scoot to a point where i i've joked of like i'm trying to find that person that will talk negatively about him and you just can't find it and you know I, i've listened to every podcast every possible draft show leading up to today um you know bill simmons and ryan Rosillo, obviously they do great, fantastic work they were talking about scoot and they were just praising him because every single nba person they've talked to is above and beyond when it comes to talking about scoot just like oh he's a relentless worker great kid yeah. he's gonna you know, do everything he can to be all NBA. I think Brandon well, you, Miller, you knew Bill Simmons was going to ride with Scoot Henderson. Oh yeah. As, as soon that's as you heard that stuff, one. come on. That, that's the least upset of the whole entire draft night. So, but you know, when it comes to Brandon Miller, it's tough because earlier in the year, you heard similar stuff when it came to like, he's a great kid. He's a hard worker. And then this just devastating scenario happened with, with Alabama basketball and Brandon Miller is involved. And it's just painted a dark cloud over him this whole process because no matter how good Brandon Miller gets right now or the buzz he gets, that comes around. That it always is coming around, and it's going to be tough. And like I, I've I've watched an interview today on on ESPN of him kind of trying to talk about it, and I was like, this didn't 
look as good as I wanted it to. And I'm like hearing his responses. So it's just been kind of a questionable scenario. But when we're talking about Brandon Miller, the player, and from what I've heard, the kid, yeah, like I, I absolutely think he could be a superstar. I think he's got all mm-hmm. the tools and everything. I know NBA teams have, have done their homework to kind of do the background check. I think he has it. It's just, I'm with you guys. If I was building a franchise and you need building blocks to get a franchise back on the right path, Scoot's probably one of the best building blocks I've, I would probably come around and you're going to potentially get him at two. Obviously Victor's fantastic, but Victor's got questions like as, as great of a prospect as he is, he has all these injury problems. So Scoot, I think I, I would just be like Metcalf said, I'd be running sprinting to the podium any way I could get there faster than running. I'd probably do that. So we obviously just broke down the top three prospects that are on the final edition of our big board on no Please go check that out before the draft. If you want some last minute updates in terms of where we sit on some of these guys, but Victor scoot, Brandon Miller. Then we go through the rest of the top 10 here. Jairus Walker, Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, Asar Thompson, Amen Thompson, Anthony Black, and then Kaysen Wallace rounds out our top 10. Metcalf, outside of that top three that we just discussed, who's your favorite oh, prospect in that on. top 10? I, 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 listen, come I know on. the answer, but maybe the audience doesn't know the answer. Maybe oh, they've man. been uh, sleeping a little bit on, on some of the good analysis you've been bringing to the table. Oh, we're, we're almost at 12 months of my love fest with Jairus Walker now. Um, <laughs> th- this kid's incredible. I, I absolutely adore him. Uh, and for most of the year, I had him at three until Brandon Miller just kind of forced me to move him up two, three. Um, the, the way he defends just both on ball, off ball, he can cover the entire weak side by himself. He's a good rim protector, moves his feet on the perimeter. He's strong as a bull. The shot took major leaps this year. Um, and he shot 40% from three this year, and no one was expecting him to do that. Then you ha- or th- then you factor in the handle, the playmaking, the ability to attack closeouts, see the weak side. Um, there's so much more offense to him than what he was allowed to show at Houston because he was a freshman going into a really older team with national title aspirations. The fact that he was even starting is an insane testament to how hard of a worker he is and how good of a player he is. It's easily one of my favorite players that I've ever scouted. Metcalf's piece on Jairus Walker's playmaking, if you have a chance to read it during the draft or even after the draft, if you're a fan of the team who ends up taking Jairus Walker, please make sure you read that. That was truly some of Metcalf's best work that he's done all cycle. Rucker, how about you? Favorite guy inside the top 10 out of, out of that top three? Who's, who's your favorite guy? Who's your guy? My problem is it's Jairus too. I'm, I'm right there with Metcalf, so I'm trying to think yeah, of another name. No, you know what I'll do is um, one of the guys I'm the most fascinated about tonight to see where he ends up. And I this is was not in my conversation or in my head uh, a week ago, even two weeks ago. I've been really buying the Anthony Black buzz lately. I, so I, I did a piece of his at, at No Ceilings, doing that deep dive on his game. I was like, okay. I, I, whoa, we're, I really missed a level of like love for Anthony Black this year. And the more I keep watching his game, the more I keep looking back at kind of the previous guards with his skills and size that have had some success in the NBA. I'm like, this makes sense if he's going to go early. Now he's been, we had him projected at six to the Orlando Magic in our mock draft at NoSealingsNBA.com. Everybody else seems to have it now, which makes me even more nervous that it's not going to happen. But 
that's the buzz. I think it it makes a lot of sense because as much as I've liked Orlando's guards over the years, they haven't found the one. Like I love Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. I think he had a great year. I'm still a believer of Jalen Suggs as a long-term NBA guy, but they need like that star. Okay, this is it. Like they need to find like a Josh Giddy. They need to find this big guy yeah, that they're bingo. like, okay, it runs through him because they have Franz, Paulo, you've got some real big offensive weapons. And I think Anthony Black could just be fantastic there if, if he ends up going six. Now, if he doesn't, I think Washington's going to be foaming at the mouth, even with that trade today for Jordan Poole. Um, but Anthony Black's just really gotten my attention. I, I've, I've been very, very high on him lately. I've had a lot of questions, or I should say I did have a lot of questions about Anthony Black towards the beginning of this draft cycle. And it was Same. a lot of it came around yes. with the shot, you know, certainly some of the perimeter defense, not just in terms of the amount of guys that he can guard, because I do think he is a multi-positional defender, but I, I didn't love some of the pick and roll defense that I saw with him. But you go back and you watch more of the tape, and, and we've certainly had enough of this film up on the screen here, anyone who's watching, but he's just a winner. He's one of these guys who's going to make everyone else around him better. And in Rucker, you talked about the fit with the Orlando Magic. Yeah, when you're doing one of these mock drafts, we, we think about who makes sense fitting alongside Paolo and Franz because we believe that they're the two guys who deserve to have the ball in their hands outside of a Fultz or a Suggs or even a Cole Anthony. But just because they're going to have the ball in their hands a lot doesn't mean they also couldn't live with having someone like an Anthony Black make plays for them and make their lives easier, right? So I do think that makes a lot of sense. And also you, you figure... Orlando wants to get back in the playoffs. This is a team right. that has enough young building blocks. They're, they're probably tired of drafting in the lottery at this point. They want to get a little taste of playoff success. And what better way to do that than go and draft a winner at number six and just get someone like an Anthony Black to come in. Biggest name that we've heard fall recently, a.k.a. the last 48 hours, Cam Whitmore. Mm-hmm. I'm really struggling to figure out why that could be. We've heard some rumblings about maybe there's some medical stuff going on with him. We don't know the full details behind that, but let's throw the medicals aside, Metcalf, because you and I actually have been in agreement for weeks that Mm -hmm. he's probably the best fit for him is at Detroit at number five. That doesn't seem to be the direction the Pistons are going anymore. We actually mocked Asar there on the No Ceilings and May Mock Draft update we did this morning. Do you see anything with his game in terms of the film that you've watched on either side of the ball that you know, with some more time to think about it, maybe execs and scouts are going, he might not actually be our guy. We might, might want to go another direction that high in the draft. Yeah. And the, the, the big glaring red flag is the utter lack of playmaking. Um, you can throw in situation to that, you know, there, there are different excuses that you can make for it, but even going back to his high school stuff, playmaking was never an aspect of his game. So if you're drafting him to be a, you know, a number one or even number two option, that's kind of tough. That's one of the Mm -hmm. reasons why I liked him in Detroit, because I didn't think he would have to do any of that. And he could just be that off ball scorer who could attack closeouts, hit spot up jumpers, run in transition, all that kind of fun stuff. The other red flag, the team defense it's, you know, he had fall asleep off ball, get get caught ball watching. There were just a lot of young kid mistakes that, you know, isn't completely uncommon, but they were pretty frequent. I think the big differentiator with him though on whether people are all in or completely out with him is whether or not they buy the shot and if you buy that he's going to be at least a decent catch and shoot guy i think you have him probably top six ish in that range if you don't and if he's in some of these team workouts and the shot's not falling and it looks busted like it did at the start of the season 
it would be pretty easy to talk yourself out of it. And then when you compare him, if you're in Detroit's spot and you compare him to a guy like Asar, and you're not really sold on the shot for either of them, but the team defense for Asar is better right now. The playmaking for Asar is better right now. That's kind of where I can see that pivot being made, obviously ignoring any medical concerns um, since we don't necessarily have the specifics on that yet. So it's us three on stage right now, but surprise, we're actually bringing a fourth person on stage. We got a special guest joining us for the No Slings NBA draft. She didn't think we weren't going to bring out any surprises, right? Of course. Got to bring on someone who is well-respected in this space, someone who's going to give us some insight, has done great work this cycle for Draft Digest. Matt Babcock is in the building. Matt, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Oh, Fantastic. Happy Draft Day, sir. Thanks for coming yeah, on. Yeah, we're, we're, we're finally happy that it's here. We could breathe a little oh, bit. No, no kidding. Well, not, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, what has what this draft cycle been like? working at this time around what, what what are what are some of your big picture takeaways from evaluating this year's group of prospects you know obviously the top i think the top group is, is elite i mean is, you know maybe as good as i've ever been a part of and uh i think that I, I do not like the depth of this draft i think the second round is, is pretty thin uh i mean i think a, a co- combination of reasons is there's not as many international draft and stash options for one sort of padding the stats if you will uh and then nil i mean I, a lot of these guys decide to go back to school um and so, yeah, top, top heavy draft for sure. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun as, as always, but I, you know, I say, I say that every year. <laughs> so you, you mentioned it is top heavy. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll jump in and ask you the first question. So look, we got to start out with the big names, right? Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. It's been an absolute race all day long in terms of trying to figure out who's going to go where, what are the odds looking like? It's been flipping back and forth. What have you been hearing about who's possibly going to go number two and, and where does your gut feel like it's going to end up who, who do you think ends up in charlotte with the second pick you know i i'm not real confident i mean the last week you know most teams have been operating uh under the impression that it would be brandon miller uh, obviously some of the recent comments and you know intel that's possibly been leaked uh this had you know people you know shift that opinion a little bit you know myself included i, I put scoop henderson at number two uh you know in, in large part um you know just having gotten to know scoop personally the last few years you know, in the, the you know, knowing that Michael Jordan's been involved this last week, and you know, in individual interviews and spending time with him, Scoot Henderson's a Michael Jordan kind of guy, and I have a hard time believing that if Michael Jordan's stepping in and having a strong opinion, that he's he's gonna you know not select Scoot, and so that's what I decided to go with. It's uh, you know, I'm I'm just like everyone else. I'm gonna have my popcorn out waiting wait to see who they actually select, but I, I went with Scoot. Matt, do you think this year with, I I know there's just kind of from everyone we've talked to, there's such a wide range with a lot of these names. Do you think this year there's so much buzz and kind of smoke out there compared to other drafts? Do you think it might be a a year in which teams are trying to be aggressive to move around because there's so much uncertainty? Yeah. I mean, I think there's uh, it's interesting that there's a lot of guys in in similar groupings, you know, throughout the draft. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of big wings, which, you know, I think is the the style of player that's probably most viable right now. I mean, obviously teams want you know positionless basketball guys that are versatile and switchable. Uh, and so, I mean, it's, you know, some of that is, you know, pick, pick your poison. What's your preference on, on certain types of players. Uh, and then looking like the late lottery and mid first round, uh, the same idea. There's a lot of talented guards uh, that, that aren't, you know, 
too similar, but would necessarily, you know, would, would fill a similar role, in, you know, within teams' depth charts. And uh, so I think there's been a lot of variance as far as where players' values are because of those reasons. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Matt, outside of like the top couple guys in this draft, you know, ignoring projections or what you've heard, who is just one of the guys in the top 10 or even lottery where you just watch his game and you're like, God, I just love the way he plays. I would be so excited to just sprint to the podium to take this kid. Sure. I mean, like, like I mentioned, I love Scoot. I mean, I've been such a big fan of Scoot forever, but that's that's an easy one, right? He's you know, yeah, second right. draft. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, the Thompson twins right, right after them, I mean, I've had them, you know, between three and five or something like that, uh, all year. And I think sort of similar to my, my take on, uh, Scoot Henderson, I've had the opportunity to get to know the Thompson twins personally and been around them quite a bit at overtime elite. And I, I understand the limitations, you know, the, the shooting mechanics are concerning, uh, but I have confidence that they will get better. Uh, these guys are very driven, uh, goal, you know, goal-oriented guys that that are workers, and uh, I, I have no reason to believe that over a period of time they can't at least become, uh, you know, decent shooters. And you know, as far as the rest of the evaluation, they do everything else. You know, I mean, I think you know the the, the basketball quality at Overtime Elite, you know, I think it has led people to be maybe a little critical on the Thompson Twins at times. Uh, but these guys will pick up NBA stuff, and you know, they're so versatile and. Um, you know, I, I really like their upside on the defensive in both of them. And, uh, you know, just really, really high on the Thompson twins. So this is why Matt's a pro and I love having him on the show because that's exactly where I was going to go with my next question, because all the buzz after Victor Scoot and Brandon Miller, now you're all of a sudden hearing that maybe a men Thompson sneaks into the Portland trailblazers at number three. And I just saw a tweet about 15, 20 minutes ago. Maybe he still goes there. Even if Brandon Miller's the pick number two, with the Charlotte Hornets. So you talked a little bit about how much you believe in, in the Thompson twins in terms of their character and how they can mesh with an organization. If, if Brandon Miller went number two and you just talked about how much you love Scoot and Amen Thompson, which way would you go between those two prospects? And do you think it is a legitimate conversation to have between those two guys? Or do you think maybe, you know, it, it's a little bit out, out of your wheelhouse. Maybe they should just go take Scoot and it shouldn't even be as much of a debate. Sorry, say that one more time uh, between which two players? So between Amen Thompson and Scoot Henderson, there's been a lot of buzz that maybe Amen oh, Thompson sure. could go to Portland, even if Brandon Miller goes number two overall. Seems like Portland might be locked in on Amen. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would I, I would kick the tires on that idea, but I mean, I, I just, I love Scoot Henderson. I, I think he's the type of guy, um, you know, if, if I were looking to, to you know rebuild a team or continue building a, a young team, Scoot Henderson is a tone setter. He, he's a culture setter. 
And on top of that, he's got big time talent. I mean, he's built like a tank. He's extremely explosive. And he's just got that killer instinct. He's the type of guy I would want to be, build my team around. And so although I really like a man Thompson, uh, scoots on another level for me. That's a smart guy. I, I knew he was smart, but this is just confirming it. So I get it. It's just fascinating this this whole process of how it seems like everyone's been like, oh, Scoot's not going to be up there at two. And I think we've all been kind of like, Scoot's this guy. We love him. I mean, everything you hear about him is just glowing and endorsed. So I, I don't know. I'm From what I've heard from you right there, I'm still going to be shocked if Charlotte passes on him somehow. No, I appreciate you saying that. And you know, what it comes boils down to for me is like, okay, the safety in, in a guy and the confidence in a guy maximizing his potential. And my confidence in Scoot is sky high. And, um, you know, I, I think Brandon Miller is a big time talent. I just think, I think he needs to grow up. He seems, you know, kind of a kid, like a kid still. Right. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, not, not saying that he can't get out of that. My confidence level in him actually maximizes potential. It's just a little bit lower than it is with Scoot and and, and Amen Thompson, for that matter. I think Amen I've got a lot of confidence that Amen is going to be able to, to get where he wants to go. Matt, every year there's at, at least one guy who either jumps into the top ten, jumps into the lottery that most mock drafts didn't or rankings didn't necessarily have there. Who do you think is like the one most likely named to do that tonight? Uh, so in the last couple hours, I've got I've got some intel that teams are expecting Washington to say to take uh, Bilal Koulibaly at eight, uh, Ooh, which is not what I projected wow. this morning. <laughs> my uh, so God, hey, let's I, go! Yeah, so I hit hit up my guys at Draft Digest. Hey, let's do a quick uh, quick little update real quick before the draft <laughs> starts. Um, and you know who knows? I mean, there could still be trades and all that, but we, we did switch to the put Koulibaly at eight. And uh, you know, if you had asked me a couple months ago, you know, where Koulibaly would have been, it. It wouldn't have been in the lottery, even though I, I did really like him and was intrigued with his, you know, his physical tools, uh, defensive upside, and you know, grow, you know, sort of developing outside shooting, and so really like him a lot. Uh, eight feels a little high for me, but I get it. I mean, the guy's got a lot of upside and uh, has really shown a growth, uh, you know, growth mindset of you know continuing to improve, uh, and seems somewhat like a like a late bloomer as well. Oh man, Koulibaly. That that see, that was gonna be my next question. Thankfully, Metcalf got there first. That's been one of my guys who's certainly risen up my board. I did a great piece on him and no NBA.com, really highlighting how much he's grown as a prospect over the last year. When you actually go back and watch some of the squad tape and then what he's done with Victor, it's insane how much he's grown as a player. So it actually doesn't surprise me that Washington may want to just grab him there at eight, given some of the trades they may bring in in Tyus Jones. You have Jordan Poole, where we thought they might have gone guard at one point. Maybe if an Anthony Black would be there at eight, you know, that might be a direction they would go. But if Anthony Black's off the board at number six, it seems like there's a lot of, a lot of rumors that Orlando's going to be choosing him in number six. That could be a direction he goes. I have a question a little bit outside the projected lottery map for you. One guy that I've been fascinated with for months now, as well as Maxwell on our, our team, Leonard Miller, yet Leonard Miller seems to be nowhere near the lottery on a lot of mock drafts, outside the top 20, actually, on a lot of mock drafts. What are your thoughts about Leonard Miller? Where, where do you feel like he may be going here on draft night? Does he go in the first round? Does he maybe slip to the second? Where do you feel like Leonard Miller is going to go in the draft? Yeah, I think he goes in the first round. I think he'll probably go somewhere in the late teens, 20s, somewhere. Uh, you know, and the, and the progression of the evaluation of him has been pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, right off the bat last year, you see the size, all the tools, uh, really struggled with the combine though in the live play. I, I thought, you know, sort of a guy with all these tools. But, you know, the question kind of, yeah, I left sort of asking myself, 
is he able to kind of put it all together? And you had the great year with the G League night. I mean, at least a, a better year. Um, and so I, I think the, the questions are still looming as far as does it, you know, his feel for the game, that, that sort of thing, even though it has, uh, he has, you know, addressed those things and gotten better. Um, you know, I, I think that's sort of, sort of what has kept him down. Um, you know, but I, 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 if I were to bet, I think he's going to be a first round pick. Fair enough. Uh, any other questions, guys? That we got for Matt? No, no, not for me. Thank you, Matt, so much for taking the yeah, time to come on. I know it. we're about to have the the show finally start, so uh, I appreciate you spending some time with us. No, thanks, I'll have guys. one I... more. I'll have one more okay. quick question for sure. you, Matt, before we get you out of here. Um, we you talked about Bilal Koulibaly, obviously, as one surprise pick that no one was expecting in the top ten. Inside the top 20, 25 picks. Is there any name that you think may go in that range that like nobody's been mocking, but you have an inkling maybe? There's something we might see a little bit of a surprise on draft night. Um, nothing that dramatic, uh, you know, but I mean, I think the three guys that have been on the rise, that's, you know, it's been well documented now is uh, Jaime Jaquez has been blowing up through the yes. draft process. I mean, everybody I talk to says he has been just torching people and workouts and pressing people uh, in the interviews, the Intel work. Uh, and so, although there are some limitations, you know, as far as, you know, is he a three, is he a four, you know, questions about his foot speed, uh, outside shooting. I think what it boils down to is this guy is a winner and he's proving that, you know, toughness and winning uh, and intangibles uh, teams are valuing it and he seems to be skyrocketing. Uh, another couple names is Brandon Pazimski uh, has really helped himself quite a bit. And then Omax from Marquette. Uh, I've heard his name attached to Miami at 18. Uh, Hawkes as well. So, those are three names. I'm really, really curious to see where, where they go. He culture. He culture is going to begin one heck of a player, no matter which way they go out of those guys. So Matt, we appreciate you taking the time to come on with us. Please. If you aren't subscribed to draft digest, please make sure you go ahead and do so. You're not only getting Matt's content, but you're getting a lot of other fine gentlemen who contribute to that site over there. So make sure you check out sports Illustrated's Daft digest, but thanks Matt. Thanks Matt for stopping by. Thanks, no, Matt. Thank you. And I thanks, appreciate Matt. you guys work. You guys do a really great job and yeah, keep, keep it up. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Come on. We, we get, gotta have somebody bring in some, some hot Intel on the show. Right. So Bilal, cool. Believe it. Wow. It's not crazy anymore, guys. Listen, I tried to give everyone the heads up. <laughs> this might be a big time riser, but now I feel like it's not, nah, I'm, I'm just kidding. But what, so what do you guys actually think about if that, if that happens at eight for the wizards? I, I, I think it makes sense just given the number of trades they've done to bring in some veteran guards, you know, you, you think about, you don't want Koulibaly to be tasked with too much offensively right out of the gate. We see him more of as a role player, certainly within his first few years, possibly in the league. If he's paired with a multiple guys who can get him the ball in his spots, you know, can take advantage of his cutting of his transition finishing. And then you have him out there as a defender. I think the pick makes a lot more sense than it could have for a number of teams in that range, like 24, 48 hours ago. Metcalf, if you want to go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, I love the upside with Koulibaly. There's so much intrigue. There's so much, you know, what could he be? Um, and given the moves that Washington has made this week, they're tearing the whole thing down. Yeah. And <laughs> so taking possibly the biggest home run swing they could at that spot, it makes sense because he's going to be a long-term project where they have to be patient with him. And if they are, uh, you know, given how their roster moves are suggesting they are, it, it makes sense because I really think he has the potential to, to be the best wing defender in this class. The shot needs work, but it has a solid foundation. There are some passing flashes. There's intriguing off the bounce stuff. 
So a lot of this game is really hypothetical and theoretical right now, but three years from now, when this team really starts hitting their, you know, hitting the ground running, like I'm assuming they're planning on, he could be an incredibly fascinating steal from this draft. Absolutely. The front office is brand new. They've got some, some guys that have been around OKC and OKC stripped everything down, acquired a bunch of future picks and started taking some swings. And I think the most important thing now is they have to have a team in which they can let guys play. Like you just yeah. got to figure out what you have, get guys experience. That's why OKC has had all these, you know, success and, and now looks like a potential playoff contender is they let guys get confidence in the G league. They let them play in the NBA level, learn through their mistakes. So I kind of love where they're going. Like that front office is just saying, we're starting over. Like we are completely blowing it all up. We're going to hit the ground and just find out what we got. We're going to take some swings. We're going to get some assets. Um, I get it. Like it, it would make a lot of sense if he goes there and they're like, we're just going to let him play. He's going to learn through reps and experience and, we're going to try to build this confidence up and be patient. So it makes sense to me um, as someone that bet Kobe Bufkin to go there this morning, <laughs> probably not the best thing I wanted to hear from Babcock, but Hey, we're having fun. That's what this is all about. I know one thing, if that happens, everything else is going to, it's going to be a bomb on air. It's just going to be like, okay, like that Dallas pick's going to get more enticing. Okay. See, yeah. where do they go? That's what I'm saying. All it takes is one pick this year. And then we're going to have some fireworks. So, before the draft officially gets started here, what I want to know is we haven't mentioned him since I ran off our no ceilings top 10 in our big board. Matt didn't mention his name either. Rucker, what the heck's going on with Taylor Hendricks? Like we're, we're hearing absolutely nothing about him yet. He's a player who rated out sixth overall on our big board. I think that's actually where I had him rated out on my personal Same. big board and the Same. talent for Are Hendricks, you? just like how good he can fit with the team right out of the gate, right? Like I'm not, not saying he's going to be some awesome dynamic player who's going to be like number one in the rookie of the year race next year, but he just seems like someone given his shooting and his defense, you can actually insert him into the lineup and he can make an impact right away. What, what do you think's going on with, with him? Why aren't we hearing much about him? And where, where do you feel like his best fit actually is inside the, the top 10 or even possibly in the lottery if he slips a little bit? Um, there's just, they're slowly starting the broadcast. So I'll try to be quick here, but there's always one guy that just falls through the cracks every single year. And sometimes it ends up being one of the best guys in this class. I think with Taylor, every single team I've talked to raves about him. It's like, Oh, I like Hendricks. He's a good kid. Like everyone does. But I think he's very fit dependent Where like, you have to be hunting exactly what Taylor Hendricks is. Mm-hmm. We like we've seen some mocks putting him to Utah. I don't know if I'm buying that. I love the idea of Utah getting another asset like that. But what are we going to do? Are we going to play all these forwards and then Walker Kessler? You're going to kind of split times with him with, with Lori and uh, Taylor, excuse me. But it's going to be interesting because I I think he's going to land in a good spot. I'd love for him to go to Dallas. I'd love for Dallas yep. to keep the damn pick and draft him because it makes perfect sense. All right, so Adam Silver is on the stage. We are officially kicking off the 2023 NBA draft. Before the clock starts kicking down, gentlemen, I just want to ask you, what is your crazy prediction? What is your bold prediction, your hot take prediction on draft night, Metcalf? Give give me something bold you think is going to end up happening. Uh, Dallas is going to trade 10 for a 
for something that looks really bad uh, two years from now. <laughs> that 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 is that is definitely something that could happen. Rucker, what about you? I I guess I Nick. This is bold because I've never had him in my top twenty, but I think Nick Smith's going to go in the lottery. I have no idea where. You know what? That's not crazy. Like two weeks ago, that was the type of buzz that I was hearing about Nick Smith to the point where I was like, boys, we, we need to start thinking about where we're, where we're ranking Nick Smith and where we're mocking him because it seems like teams teams are still infatuated with him. It seems like all the intel, all the character stuff checks out really well with him. He's someone who can still end up there. My bold prediction, I will say, keep an eye on Ben Shepard might go in the top 20. That's, yeah, that's my I like that prediction. one. Like, that's so. a good one. That's a good one. Gosh, he's going to go to the Heat and just – ruined my life for years as a Celtics fan. Um, Jaime Hawkins or OMP. You heard Matt throw those two names out for Miami. Which yeah. one do you like more for them? Oh, I just saw Gavoni put Hawkins to Miami and I was like, please, no, don't do that to me. I, I do think that makes a lot of sense. That's yeah, a, that's does. a really good pick for them. So um, going to be interesting. Utah maybe take him off the board before he even gets down to Miami. Could Utah maybe at look 16? at him at 16 and go, you know, this is a pro- multiple people from that organization, including their head coach, have talked about we want to win next year. Like we want to legitimately get back in the playoff race next year. You look at Hawkes, who he may not have the highest upside of a lot of other players in this draft, but he's going to be a good player in the NBA for a long time. He's going to be like a top eight, top nine guy. Do they? Do they maybe even take him off the board before Miami even gets a chance to draft a Metcalf? They could. I mean, it makes sense, especially if they're just looking for that glue guy who's going to do the dirty work and get a lot of minutes doing it. Um, he's just one of those guys that consistently produces winning basketball. And if that's what they're looking for and they take a home run swing earlier, that that's kind of a nice little fire and ice combination to leave the first round with. All right, Rucker, the San Antonio Spurs are officially on the clock. So we, we know who the pick is. It's Victor Wembanyama. What are reasonable expectations for Victor Wembanyama's rookie year? Like not to get everyone too hyped up, what is something reasonable that those fans should be able to look to when, when they watch his game? It's going to be very exciting. I think all, all of us know that. I think the limit, the, the realistic expectations need to calm down a little bit. Um, they're going to be smart. They're going to be very patient with Victor. He just played for a team in which they played sometimes one game a, a week. So his body's going to be tested more than ever. San Antonio has the potential to have an all-time great, you know, they, they know what it takes to develop these guys with Tim Duncan, David Robinson. We've seen all of these legends come through that franchise and organization. So they're not going to f- try to make this guy an all-star of the rookie year. Um, I would be shocked if you, I think Nathan, you even tweeted something about Scoot being rookie of the year. And I agree with it. I'd be shocked if Victor won it just because I don't think he's going to play enough games. O- over to, under know. 50 games in his rookie year. Maybe a little over, but but like that's what I think. That's a realistic number because yeah. they're just going to be smart. His body, you can't try to take a gamble with this guy, and um, obviously that could change if you know they're in a playoff run, and you know maybe that's how quickly he hits the yeah. ground running. But Victor's so talented; he's so still raw, and I think he's going to have some time to get used to NBA veterans and kind of the tricks they might have up their sleeves for Victor. And um, he makes up for a lot of stuff defensively with his size and length, but I think he's going to have to fine tune a little bit of area. So yeah, he's an unbelievable prospect. He's going to be awesome, but I don't need to compare him to Hakeem Olajuwon as a rookie. Let's maybe calm those down a little bit, please. 
Metcalf, what is what is your favorite thing about Victor Wembanyama's game that you were able to scout and see from him this past year? Uh, just the versatility and the toughness that he showed all year. I had real skepticism about his ability to play through contact. Um, and he pretty quickly dispelled any of those concerns. He did it all year. There's a lot of versatility going to the rim, going away from the rim, uh, battling defensively, really exciting stuff. Exactly what you want from a number one pick, but I'm, I'm more interested in what Albert has to say. All right. So joining me for picks one through five, as Victor's officially waiting to get announced it's the boys from the draft act nba podcast it's Corey and albert they're up on the stage fellas what's going on nate Maybe. is just too excited tonight he's <laughs> time is his enemy uh Listen, we had a good is, conversation going i couldn't stop we, this we, is an exciting to time to be alive uh wow, let's go that was... let's go, go ahead, chat Corey. let's go chat <laughs> shout out to everybody watching live uh, we appreciate everybody choosing to rock with us tonight for the 2023 NBA draft. Um, happy to be on the show. <laughs> Albert, um, Albert just can't yeah. stop laughing. Al- I, Albert I can't stop. L- listen, listen, Albert. Well, you're you're here on the stage now. So, Victor, to the San Antonio Spurs. Talk to me about the fit. What's what's one? I guess a good question to ask you would be: What's one thing you want to see the Spurs do for Victor next year to help him out? Um, first off, great to be on. Um, really excited to be on tonight. I apologize for laughing so much, but, um, we had some stuff going on backstage, but, um, uh, what, what do they need to add to Victor? I don't know. There were reports in the last couple of days that they're trying to potentially add a uh, Bilal Kulabali to help him out, get him acclimated. Love I think that. that'd be a lot of fun. Um, I know we got, we just got Intel from Matt that, uh, the uh, the Wizards are looking at him at eight, but uh, if the Spurs could swing something, make a move, figure something out, that could be really interesting and fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I think adding some veterans to this team, obviously there have been talks about adding a veteran point guard, um, adding someone like a Fred Van Vliet to that team to you know, help Victor out in his rookie season and not feel like he has the whole team on his back and all the pressure and the burden. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun and make a lot of sense to me. So um, yeah, maybe like a veteran guard. Some more, you know, winning-ish type players could be uh, a good help to, to Victor getting acclimated. Corey, there's not a ton of names on the free agent market in terms of point guards, but one who has possibly been linked to the Spurs. The Spurs certainly have enough cap space to be able to throw him a legitimate offer. Fred Van Vliet, somebody like that. What what, what do you think the Spurs should do to surround Victor with, with some more talent next year? What do you think they should target? Uh, I actually think that they should not force this. Uh, I know Victor is an incredible player, um, but history, I believe, has shown us that when you try to compete with these guys right away, you start to get yourself in trouble. You start putting yourself in a position where you may lock yourself into a more mediocre four-year outlook than you you might necessarily want. LeBron in Cleveland... They just struggled to put the right pieces around him. He was so good right away um, that after that first year where they missed the playoffs, it was playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. They didn't have a chance to build organically with young talent. Um, Look at Zion in New Orleans. They put all of these pieces around him. And obviously we know that that situation goes beyond, um, you know, Zion's on-court production where that, you know, he's been hurt and this and that. And that's why maybe they haven't had uh, some success. And they've done a a good job on the periphery, certainly. But 
uh, Luca in Dallas right now, the situation that they're in. I mean, these guys who are so good right away, don't rush it. Let these yeah. young kids go out there. Victor's probably going to play what 60 games or so. Um, you know, if we were going to try never. to project that early, uh, somewhere around there, try to, you know, don't look if you're great just because he's so great, you can't do anything about that. Don't shut him down if he's healthy fully, but build patiently. Let Sohan, let Blake Wesley, uh, Malachi Branham, Devin Vassell. Let these guys continue to just get run, build, and don't rush this thing. I'm actually very fascinated to monitor that little subplot about how many games Victor plays because this dude is competitive. Like we, We've heard a mm. lot of chatter about, is he going to play at Summer League? Could they maybe shut him down for Summer League because he just went on a deep playoff run with Mets 92? And Victor keeps talking in interviews, hey, I'm going to play in Summer League. Hey, I'm going to be out in California. I'm going to play at the California Classic. Like This dude wants to be on the court with his teammates and you can't can't help but root for someone who actually wants to be out there you know fighting with his guys so uh, absolutely rooting for victory just came across the stage adam silver announced the pick great moment for the san antonio spurs all you spurs fans out there congratulations for winning the women yama sweepstakes but now albert now it's time the real draft begins right this is what we've all been waiting for number two overall the charlotte hornets are on the clock albert I'm going to pop over to Corey in a second because I do want him to make a, a fascinating case that he's made multiple times over No Silly's NBA. But what do you think the Hornets should do with the number two overall pick? Um, before we get to the Hornets, I, I just wanted to give uh, Victor a shout out for um, wearing an incredible green suit tonight. Um, that thing looks fantastic. And it looks money like green. he's wearing. Yeah, that money green is great. Hunter green, whatever you want to call it. Um, that chain that he's wearing looks really cool too. Um, it looks like. Um, the Orion's belt thing for Men in Black that was on the cat. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, of course, I do. Men in Black. Okay, um, but looks like he's wearing that too, which is really cool. Uh, the Hornets. Let's talk about the Hornets. Charlotte. Uh, Michael Jordan selling the team, right? Is what we think. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think Corey and I were on the same page. Uh, we had uh, Brandon Miller number two on both of our boards. Um, you know, we get a lot of slack for agreeing a lot, but you know, sometimes smart people think alike. Uh, it just kind of is what it is. But uh, we really like Brandon Miller. And uh, it seems like, you know, that's where the smoke is kind of hinting, you know, that maybe Charlotte goes ahead and, you know, takes Brandon Miller. But um, I, I do want to say, like, I, I really love Scoot's game a lot as well. Got to see him play live. Um, watching him live is quite the experience. Um, as we talked about last night on the mock draft as well, uh, just an absolute physical specimen. The dude is so strong. Um, he's going to be so ready to play against NBA guards. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's going to have to pick up on the speed of the game and nuance and blah, blah, blah. But you talk about NBA physique, NBA physicality. He's got that. And um, Nate, as you mentioned in the, pre, in the pre-draft show, um, Metcalf did an incredible job highlighting his playmaking ability in his article, right? And that's something that Scoot's going to have from day one. So for the Hornets, obviously, this is a tough pick, in my opinion, I think they win either way if they take Brandon Miller or they take uh, Scoot Henderson. For me, if it was me, if I was the GM of the Hornets, I would take Brandon Miller, but um, I'd also feel great about Scoot Henderson, so I could see it both ways. Corey, you helped to wrap up the draft cycle for No Sillings this week in terms of individual player coverage along with Paige. She did a wonderful article about Jordan Hawkins, but you did decide to write about Brandon Miller. So if Brandon Miller is the pick at number two, like we mocked on NoSillingsNBA.com, 
what what can Hornets fans possibly expect from Brandon Miller next year? Why are you so high on him at number two? Yeah, well, I, I you know I want to also clarify that it's not just that I think Brandon Miller fits in better than Scoot. Yeah, I you think have Brandon, number two. I think Brandon Miller is a worthy number two prospect for a myriad of reasons on its own independently of whatever team is drafting him. Um, but talking about why he may fit with Charlotte and why I think Charlotte might accentuate his strengths, he shot 51% on unguarded catch-and-shoot shots this year as a college freshman. LaMelo Ball is one of the best playmakers in the league. Say what you want about, you know, his potential to maybe win playoff games at the moment, but this dude will find you in your spots every single time if you get to them on a rope. So uh, for a guy who is right away going to fit in as an off-ball guy, um, that is key, and I I love him for Charlotte for that reason. But then I think he is so crafty as a scorer. It's been a long time since I've seen a wing prospect uh, use setups out of the pick and roll like Brandon Miller does. He he operates um, like out of pick and rolls much better than a lot of point guards do. Watch when he gets into a pick and roll. He'll jab step. He'll fake. He'll shift his body. He'll switch his legs up. That way he's given better position. Um, and the other thing, I think he's competitive. He dealt with a hard situation this year, came out, put up 41 points, and not only put up 41 points, but had two clutch buckets going to his left, finishing at the rim, um, harping to you know the fact that People think that his weakness is finishing something that he got much better at the the last fifty uh, the last twenty seven games of his season where he ended up shooting sixty percent at the rim over that stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he is going to get much stronger uh, throughout the course of the year and where he's at as a freshman. You know, looking back at guys like Mikael Bridges, um, like Jalen Brown like Paul George, you know, these guys, they were not nearly as polished consistently as Brandon Miller is. So, um, you know, I think that this guy, he just has sky high potential. And, you know, I I think that uh, a unfortunate incident that seems like he is in the clear for has clouded that um, a little bit this year. So there are rumblings that, Scoot Henderson could be the pick at number two. Brandon Miller could possibly fall out of the top three because the Portland Trailblazers might want to take a man Thompson there. But we're actually going to find out where Charlotte's going. Adam Silver's on the podium right now. Number two pick is... It is Brandon Miller. Okay. Wow. So they did go Brandon Miller. I, I don't know about you guys. I thought it was Brandon Miller. It was going to be for the Charlotte Hornets all along. I really thought that we heard some buzz this morning. Maybe they're trying to get someone else to come up and maybe trade for the number two overall pick. But I think ultimately that is the direction they wanted to go. And we, we will move on to Portland in a second. But Albert, just just one quick thing I want to point out because it's it's an interesting conversation that we can have. So we, we watch playoff basketball. We just got done watching an incredible playoff slate this past year. And shooting keeps being prioritized as a skill that every single player on the floor needs to have when you get in playoff situations. And regardless of whether you want to go scoot or one of the Thompson twins or whoever in that conversation with Brandon Miller, is it just as simple as we should probably just look to take the guy who's six, nine and shot almost 40% from three on over seven attempts per game. Like, is it that simple? If we want to build towards playoff basketball, let's just take the guy who can shoot the heck out of the rock. I mean, sometimes it is. 
Um, and in, and in this case, maybe that's what it was. You know, I, I think he has pretty much everything that you're looking for in terms of a modern day first, second option wing type of guy. I mean, the size is incredible with him. Everything that Corey just highlighted in terms of his game, all that stuff is um, highly valued in the NBA. And uh, all that stuff seems to work in the playoffs. So I, I think with Brandon Miller, and, you know, I wrote a piece about him early in the cycle as well um, before, you know, all the off-the-court stuff happened. But just you could tell, like, he was a guy that has so many talents, so much in his bag, so much to offer um, defensively, too. Um, and we're excited to see how he grows and develops on that side of the ball as well. But, you know, if we just focus on the size and the shooting and the playmaking, then, yeah, there's a lot to get excited about. And all that stuff seems to translate uh, in the postseason as well. So, yeah, sometimes it is that simple, Nate. Corey, I couldn't be more excited to ask you this question because <laughs> – Months ago, in the No Ceilings chat, you brought up a great point when we think about now it's not just Scoot Henderson in contention for this third pick. We're hearing so much buzz about Amen Thompson being possibly the choice for Portland at number three overall. And you brought up the point, given how high a men's ceiling is, if he truly breaks through and reaches his potential, there is an argument to have him as the second best player in this draft. So... You're in this position now. If you're the Portland Trailblazers, where would you go between Scoot Henderson and Amen Thompson? Do you think it is a legitimate debate that they're probably having in that front office right now? I certainly. Um, and I, I mean, I would go Scoot personally. Uh, yeah. When I was in Hoop Summit, I'll, I'll, I told uh, Mike Schmitz he should just take Jarris Walker, but that was before they 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 jumped up in the draft, and I think that they should still consider it. But point, uh, you know, regardless. I think that Mike Schmitz and that front office, if they want to go with the guy that they believe is going to be the best for their franchise, they will not be afraid to be bold about it. They are not going to be shy and just say, well, the mock says that we have to do this. They're going to take the guy who they think is the best player available. And if they think that Ahmed Thompson is the greatest athlete of all time, uh, like some people have put out into the ether, if they think that he has a special playmaking ability, if they believe that they have the developmental team to uh, help build his shot, if they think that he offers more defensive versatility then, yeah, I think you do it if that's what you mm -hmm. believe. I would rather build around Scoot and Shaden. I think that Scoot can bridge the gap. Uh, if Dame wants to continue on with Portland, I think Scoot can come in next year and contribute. Um, and his rim pressure will get Dame some open looks, and he can learn, you know, to to play off the ball. Ultimately, I think that pairing will be split up, but I think it'll be good for Scoot's development to, uh, you know, learn to play with other ball dominant guys because eventually you know that's what Shaden Sharp is going to be and you know however else that plays out in his career um, and then I think he's strong enough and long enough to be able to at least survive defensively in, in a way that uh, Anthony Simons and CJ McCollum haven't been now he's a rookie he's not going to be good next year by any stretch but uh, he'll compete he'll learn and you know I, I think that Scoot and Shaden Sharp as a backcourt uh, going forward is one of the most exciting cores in the entire league. Albert, I'm going to skirt past the Amen Thompson conversation with you because I'm a little horrified as to what your answer could possibly be if I'm asking sure. about him going third overall. So, Scoot <laughs> Henderson, possibly being added to that backcourt. 
what yeah. what what is the end game for Portland if that's the pick for them? Do you think that they can rock with this number of guards slash backcourt players? Do you think there's maybe too many cooks in the kitchen if they take Scoot and Dame sticks around? Like what what do you think's the end game for Portland if they go with Scoot Henderson? Um, first off, I just want to say this is why Nate is hosting tonight. He has infinite wisdom, and you not asking me about Amen was very wise. I also have everyone's um, big board right in front of me in terms of what they handed in for a final composite. So we're just gonna keep it right. moving. Right. <laughs> um Scoot would be a great choice. Um uh, I'm with Corey. Um I I could already talked about how I feel about Scoot, although I have met three. Um I don't know. Sometimes in my mind, I kind of had it as like Brandon Miller 2A A and Scoot at 2B was kind of how I had it in my brain because um, I, I really did think it was that close. And um, I think the point that you make is an interesting one because honestly, we don't know what the, the Trailblazers are thinking right now, uh, what they have in their plans. Um, we've heard for years now that Dame could be asking for a trade, could be looking to stay, maybe wants to retire there, maybe wants to move on. I don't know. We don't know. But it, 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 I, I get your point that there may be too many guards, but I don't know. I, I think it, it can make sense. It can work. Um, I do want to know that, like, Dame is 32. You know, Dame and I are the same age. Um, Dame's more beautiful than I am, but uh, it's okay. Um, but, you know, overall, I, I, I think – the question that you're asking about too many cooks in the kitchen, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it could still work. And okay, it seems like the pick is in, right? Am I? No, Scoot Henderson long? was in fact the selection for Portland. So that's, oh, that's what we're rocking perfect. with right now. Um, I, Nate, really listen. quickly, I want to note, I want to note though, that when Brandon Miller went to Scoot glared at him. And I want us to remember that moment <laughs> and remember that Scoot will be coming for Brandon Miller's head this oh, season. Oh God, I want them to play in summer league so bad. he is pissed about going third. Yep. Oh, I, I, I really wish I was going to be out there for summer league to, to attend that game in person because that that could get a little vicious. But Corey, what, what do you think about my question that I posed to Albert? Do you think I, I know you're you are also in favor of Scoot going three overall? But what do you think happens with Dame? You think is too many cooks in the kitchen? Like, do you, maybe they try out you know a sixth man, and then you have maybe even Shane Sharp starting the three for them, depending on what other moves they make. Like, how do you see this playing out in Portland? No, I think Scoot's going to start, and I think. Uh, Shaden should start. Um, yeah. I, I don't know necessarily if like Dame and the Blazers are completely in sync in you know where they're currently at. I think the Blazers are not going to push Dame out by any means. He means too much to the city and the franchise for them to do that. But I don't think that they would be upset if you know they were allowed to move on get a, a bajillion assets for dame and start building around their young core but uh i think anthony simons is going to continue to be the guy who comes off the bench and cooks i think scoot is going to be the starter and a guy that they you know make sure they can maximize right away um and you know i think that they're going to be competitive you know when dame's on the floor they are a competitive team and now you're adding a prospect like scoot henderson who you know is I wrote about him before the season started and the title of the article was Scoot Henderson is an outlier because, you know, he has that kind of mentality build um, and potential skill set, work ethic, all of that stuff. So I, I think that they'll make it work next year and, you know, we'll see going forward or we'll see at the trade deadline and, you know, as the rumors continue to rumble, but um, you know, we got to remember too with Dame, like it's not just like he got drafted to Portland and, you know, that that's it. He played at Weber state. Like he has been a part of this community um, for his entire adult life. And, you know, that means a lot to him. So uh, I, I think that, you know, they'll, it, it, whether there's too many cooks in, in the kitchen or not, Dame's used to that 
already and uh having played with cj and um you know sharing the ball with him that i don't think any of these guys are selfish enough to that it's going to be an issue no i agree 100 percent. and honestly even if this is the start of the rebuild i i do think it's time and and dame certainly has had a wonderful career in portland it, it is hard to you know possibly look at trading him if he hasn't necessarily requested out and, and going through that whole song and dance because Shout out to one of my guys, Brett Usher, over at Overstated NBA. He made a, a tweet a few months ago that I saw. You can make a statistical case. Not saying that he is, but you can make a statistical argument that Dame Lillard is like a top 10 point guard of all time, like just based on his stats and like what he's accomplished. So like that's, Easily. <laughs> that, that, that's the, 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 you, you don't want to push that guy out of the building, right? Like that, that's just the type of talent you want to have around. And if you're Portland, you are hoping to take a guy at number three, if that's the direction you're going to go, who can live up to someone like Damian Lillard. And it's easier said than done, especially when you're in a smaller market, to actually come across one of those talents. So I completely understand why this has been at a crossroads for so long. We will have to see ultimately what happens in Portland. But we get to now move on to the Houston Rockets. They are on the clock, the fourth overall pick. So we think we think this is a man Thompson. That's what we mocked this morning over at NoSillingsNBA.com. That's what a lot of the rumors have been. There was a slight shift about a week ago. Maybe Cam Whitmore could have possibly been a target for the Houston Rockets. Maybe they'd make a trade with the Detroit Pistons. Maybe they move back a spot, move back a few spots with another team. But as of right now, there's no trades coming in. It's seemingly going to be a man Thompson. Albert, I ask you, I, I do have to come to you now. Unfortunately, he, he is going to be taken. So, Amen Thompson, Houston Rockets. What do you think about that possible fit? Yeah, um, really excited about this pick here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for real though. I I, I get it. Um, me personally, Nate, as we've mentioned, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Amen Thompson's game, but I, I can totally understand why Houston would be targeting him, right? If we talk, if we talk about the strengths, as Matt Babcock came on and um, talked about, the athleticism is unreal with him. I mean, it, it's a real thing. And I don't want to, you know, be that guy to be like, well, are we sure it's like, no, I mean, it's really good. I mean, the guy's a really, really good athlete. And um, in terms of the passing feel, what he can do in transition, the defensive outlook, I get it. I just feel like the shot needs a lot of work. Um, I think he really needs to kind of scrap it and start from scratch, in my opinion, is how I feel. And a lot of people have written about it and talked about it. And um I think it's just it's kind of a non-factor. And I remember about this might have even been like three, four months ago. But I, I remember Corey asking if Amen's on the floor and somebody else has the ball, what does Amen offer? And I think it's a valid question right now with where he's at um, with his shooting. Um but at the same time, like you bet on the athleticism, you bet bet on the uh, positional size, you bet on the passing feel, you bet on all that stuff, and it makes sense. And Houston could use a point guard. You know, I, I think the Kevin Porter Jr. experiment has uh, gone long enough, and I think adding a guy who can kind of organize things and oh, makes sense. And also, like you know, there have oddly been some weird rumors about like Jalen Green possibly being on the trading block, which. I would hate because I think Jalen Green's still going to be a really good player. And I think he still needs more time, but um, adding a guy like Amen Thompson to play next to him could make sense as well. So I, I know Nate, you know, I, I've been a little harsh on Amen's game, but I still think the pick makes sense here at four. Corey, the Houston Rockets have a ton of talent. 
within this organization, a ton of young talent, but they do seem like an organization that hasn't quite had a plan in terms of how to properly cultivate and mold and, and, and turn that young talent into a legitimate winning group. So my question for you is, if they do need a floor general, if they do need a point guard, is a men Thompson definitely the best route that they could take? Or as you guys have talked about, as Jeremy Wu's talked about, like why can't somebody like Anthony Black possibly be in the conversation here if like that's the route that they want to go? Like talk to me about what you think about a men and the Rockets and where that organization's going. Yeah, I mean, if they were dead set on getting a playmaking guard, you know, I think that you really have to consider Anthony Black. I wrote about him on how he connects the dots for NoCeilingsNBA.com because from the jump, I remember sitting us down in Vegas going, we all got to watch this Anthony Black tape from the FIBA um, because I just knew this was a guy who was going to generate buzz based on the jumbo playmaking feel, defensive prospect kind of guy, the hair. And I think that he's the kind of guy that I believe in his shot more than I believe in Amen Thompson. But uh, they're they're both they both offer a lot of similar things: rim pressure, playmaking, and uh, you know I don't think they I think that Amen going to Houston, which I believe um, yeah pick is in yep. is the pick. I think that Amen really does fit this this Rockets team um, a lot better than he would have in maybe some of the other outcomes. Look, we cannot. This is the put up or shut up year for uh, Jabari Smith Jr. Because for the last two years, we have heard if only this guy had somebody to find him in his spots. Well, guess what? We got somebody who everybody thinks is going to find him in his spots. Alper and Shangun, a great playmaker. You have two great playmakers on the court. Jabari Smith as a floor spacer. Um, Jalen Green. Tari Eason and Amen Thompson running out in transition. Uh, I, I think that Jalen Green has an argument that he's actually more athletic than Amen Thompson. So I think now they, I would agree with that. Actually, they they definitely have the most athletic backcourt yep. in the league. Amen also offers that positional versatility that you can run another point guard on the floor with he and Jalen, and he can play the three. He could play the two, um, and you know who knows four or five years from now when he gets stronger maybe he he can actually play a little bit of four and you could use him kind of like bruce brown uh as like a screener and short roll guy so you know i think that you have to get creative with amen and i don't think that he's going to a situation where he is going to have the ball in his hands um as much as he did in the overtime elite these last two years i think there's going to be a learning curve for him playing against true professional men uh, rather than the very talented but young overtime elite competition. But Nate, we've both been to the overtime elite facilities. We've yeah. seen them train. We've had conversation with the coaches there. We completely understand, um, you know, exactly how these kids work. I've spoken with them. Uh, you know, they're great kids. He's going to be a worker. All of the stuff that Matt Babcock uh, had said. Uh, on the pre-draft show, I echo that sentiment and, you know, I'm rooting for him. Look, his form has changed three different times <laughs> over the last year and a half. And you know I what think that, it's changed three times over the last week, but keep But you know what that, do you know what that signifies? What, somebody what who's signify? humble, somebody who's humble Hard and willing work. to work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. yeah. So uh, whether or not he figures that out, I don't know, but he's definitely going to give it a shot and it's going to be fun in Houston. Let's hope he doesn't have as much fun in Houston as apparently Zion and James Harden have in Houston. Can, can I can I ask you one quick question about that fit before we move on to what Detroit could possibly do? Like you like Albert actually brought up a good point and you echoed that point. Maybe he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much as we think he's going to. If he's not, though, to bring out the best version of himself off the ball, don't you want him in a position where he has a center to play off of like Opera and Shengun, someone who we absolutely love for his playmaking ability? Yeah, I mean, you you look, you're going to have to be like, look, man. You're going to have to cut a little bit more yeah. often. You can't fall yeah. asleep off the ball nearly as much, but yep. they're going to coach these things out of him. They're probably going to use him and set him up a little bit in this regard. You know, I know that we had a conversation early in the cycle about, you know, how maybe they could use him in the corner and, and kind of use him like Mikhail Bridges as like a, a sneaky backdoor cutter along the baseline. Uh, I, I think he's a smart kid and, you know, they, they've been coached the last two years to get in the film room and learn how to break down film, you know, Mm -hmm. outside of just the skills. So these are all things that they'll learn. It's going to be a process. Uh, I think there's a real chance that he's like a very, very bad, ineffective player next year. When you break down like the advanced stats, even if some of the counting stats and highlights look good. Um, But again, this is not a one year plan this is a this guy is going to develop hopefully into something special in the future and um you know we're gonna actually see if that comes to fruition finally now that we have a landing spot for amen thompson something that we've been wondering about for the last two years albert we did not have the thompson twins at four or five on our composite big board we had them below that yet we mocked both of them going back to back this morning asar going to the pistons at number five and they, the pick is in. It's seemingly going to be announced any second now. That seemed to be where the intel was leading us. So d- is it something that we're missing with Asar? Like, like where where do you think well, – what do you think about him possibly going number five to the Pistons? Is that the pick that you would make, or would you go a different direction? Um, personally, I don't mind it at all. Um, I have Asar a lot higher on my board than I had on men. Um, he's a guy that I actually believe in the shooting. Like I understand that the percentages with him were low as well, but I test for me. I think it looks a lot better than his brothers. Um, I think he's kind of being slept on as a passer. I think he's maybe not as good as a man, but I think he's like right there. In my opinion, it's pretty neck and neck to me. I think the defensive outlook still looks fantastic. Just as good. I think he's really, really athletic, just like his brother. Um, so I don't know, like for me, I, I just looked at Asar and I felt like he's played, you know, next to his brother and knows how to play off of a guy that is a little bit more ball, ball dominant. So, um, I, I think he'll be really com- comfortable playing next to an Ivy next to, next to Cade Cunningham. So 
I feel great about, I would feel great about that pick if I were the Pistons. And um, obviously, you know, up until maybe like the last week, we've seen a lot of Cam Whitmore getting mocked there. But for me personally, I'd rather take a SAR. Um, and I know Cam Whitmore shot the ball pretty well in college, but I have some questions about his shot, maybe more than others. Um, didn't really pass the ball in college. I think that's a concern, but um, I'm not, I'm right, right? In that Asar was taken five? Yeah, he was yeah, taken right? five. So we are, we are okay. five for five on the latest No Ceilings NBA good. mock draft that, that we put out this morning. So he is, in fact, the pick. Listen, he wasn't number five on my board, but Corey, I understand why the Pistons are taking a chance on him, right? If you have Cade Cunningham and Jay Nivey, you have two guys in the backcourt who are going to command a lot of the usage, right? They're not going to ask too much of a SAR coming in. They're going to be able to set him up for a lot of shots that make sense for him. And then in turn, he has playmaking instincts that a lot of people didn't really talk about enough until we got much later into the draft cycle. Like he may not be the type of creative passer that a man is, but he's got juice of his own in that regard. So maybe are the Pistons looking at it as he's the type of athlete that we want to draft. He's the type of defender that we want to draft. And he's the type of playmaker that can also help those two guys make them better when they don't have the ball in their hands. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I think that when it comes to Asar and his playmaking, and the difference, I actually think he's a little bit more like cerebral than Amen. Like Amen makes yep. those last second improvisational uh, reads when he like gets in the paint. And I think Asar is capable of making those reads too. But I think he just plays like more within himself when it comes to pace. He's not looking to be like quick, twitchy and, uh, you know, beat his man like with speed zero to a hundred every single time. Um, but I think his vision is really slept on. I think he's, uh, you know, uh, shown some really interesting stuff in the pick and roll. And when it comes to fitting that roster, you know, we knew they were going to take an athletic guy. That's what yeah. Troy Weaver does. Yes, uh, does. And, and the reason that I liked his fit so much more than I liked Cam Whitmore's fit is because of the connectivity that he does have as a passer. Cause I think he offers a lot of the same things as cam. He just, um, is a much, much better passer playmaker. Uh, and you know, I, I think that matters when you're trying to build a team and not just assembling a roster. Absolutely. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think that fit makes a lot of sense. Orlando, Orlando seemed to be sprinting up to the podium. Like their pick is already in. We didn't get much time to talk about Detroit's pick. It seems like they have their minds made up. Albert, we had Anthony Black going there at number six overall. Before we switch out partners here, we get some more co-hosts back on the stage. Is that what you would do at number six? Um, I'd be okay with that. Okay, I'd be fair I'd feel enough. pretty good about that. Fair enough. So, guys, thank you so much for hopping on. We're going to swap out two more of our awesome people in no ceiling. So coming back up on the stage, just spent a, a lot of quality time with him as Tyler Medcalf, as well as my co-host over on the draft deeper podcast. We're going to get Maxwell Baumbach in here, guys. Welcome back in the case of Metcalf and, and hey, buddy, Maxwell. <laughs> I know, right? It, it's been so long since I've seen you last and Maxwell. Welcome to the party. How you feeling, man? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing really good. Um, my family's a little annoyed at me. They said that I've developed a caffeine addiction um, oh, in the process of, of getting ready for the draft this year. Max, uh, I've, I've never seen mug. a coffee mug. Yeah, People I've never can seen find it. a new slant. We're ready to go. <laughs> uh, Max, well, that mug size terrifies me. I've never seen so, something. So, yeah, no, big. it's it's empty. I, I'm, I'm lying. Uh, <laughs> so, so we've got Orlando here. So far, the draft is chalk as far as how we projected it last night when we all met up. Um, 
what do we think of the AB in Orlando thing? Because this they continue down this path of size and length and guys in the backcourt that maybe have some jump shot questions. So where are we at with this? Thing? We we gave our opinion a little bit on Anthony Black, Max. I want to hear from you. Like, I want to hear if you think it makes sense. Um, I think it's interesting. I think Anthony Black, of the guys that can't shoot, I have a little bit more faith in him maybe figuring it out just because he didn't fully devote himself to basketball until like two years ago. Um, I will say though, the things that we heard about Anthony black, just from different players and people that we talked to was like resoundingly positive, like overwhelmingly positive. Other players thought that he was a real pain to compete against. He's so crafty, finds so many different ways to make people's lives difficult as a defender has some of the best hands defensively in this class. They just move at warp speed. So physical, so tough that I think that as his frame fills out, even if the shot isn't there, he's going to figure out a way to play a meaningful role in this league. Let's see what the pick is. Adam Silver's announcing it now. It is Anthony Black. Okay, so we're six for six, so that intel was pretty strong. Wow. Anthony Black. Metcalf, I'm happy that they did that because for, for a lot of the reasons that we talked about in the previous <coughs> show – Look, this team wants to compete in the playoffs next year in the Eastern Conference, or at the very least make the play-in. And the best way to do that is to go get someone who can make all of their other guys better and who truly believes in the type of culture of, I'm going to buy in, we're going to do all the little things it takes to win basketball games. Let's just go out there, let's be one strong team, and, and let's go make some noise. What do you think of the pick now that's made? And it, it, It's fascinating. The I feel like this entire process we've – put a home run swing for them at this pick and then, you know, address the shooting or something else, uh, a different need with their second pick. This is about as big of a home run swing as they could take. Um, yeah. I, the, the more I've thought about Anthony black throughout this process, the more I've really come to appreciate what he does on the court. I've been, I was really cool on him for most of the year. I didn't really get it. I thought the shot was a huge concern. I thought the defense was overrated and, and then you just keep watching the little ways that he constantly affects the game and makes everyone who's on the court with him better. It's, it's hard to not get really excited about what he could be, not just as an individual player, but what he could be as a team player. The, the versatility that he's going to have playing off of Franz, playing off of Paolo, his ability to run point, to be put on the wing, the defensive versatility with him and Franz. Um, they, there's just so much fun stuff that this, Orlando Magic team can do now in terms of roster and lineup construction. Does he f improve their shooting? No. But does he give them a lot of size, a lot of IQ, a lot of two-way versatility? Absolutely. When you mentioned the, the lack of shooting with Orlando, but here's the thing, Anthony Black's used to playing with a lack of shooting. Exactly. After playing for that Arkansas yeah. team this past season. And think about how he's still managed to get to his spots. He's still managed to pressure the rim. He's still managed to make good reads. It didn't phase him. Like it, it He's, he's just a winner. Like it's such a cliche yeah. thing to say about him, but he just finds so many meaningful ways to, to impact the game. He's going to get to the free throw line a ton. And that's the thing too. Like look at how Paulo changed his approach in terms of how, how much more he got downhill is yes. a pro than he did in college. Like this is, they've just got so many guys that are going to be a nightmare to contain. Even a guy like Jalen Suggs, where guys might sag off on him a little bit, but when he's rolling, like they've just got a lot of guys that can get to the basket. And all it takes is like, Anthony Black getting a little better at shooting. Paulo becoming a little more consistent as a shooter. Jalen Suggs getting that percentage up a little bit. And then you just have so many guys that can do a lot on both ends of the floor so, with a lot of athleticism and a lot of physical strength. So so you, you mentioned that offensively, Maxwell. So that's where I think some people might not be thinking deep enough when it comes to the Anthony Black fit is that 
all of these guys in Orlando that we can talk about who he might actually play with, right? Paolo, Franz, Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs. These are all willing cutters who will make moves to the basket. They will absolutely look to position themselves for the right shots without the ball. They can run a very movement-centric offense to the point where the spacing, obviously it still matters. And, and by the way, I think Paolo's going to improve as a shooter. We know Franz Wagner is a great shooter um, and, and still improving. Markel Fultz is also still improving as a jump shooter, even main, maybe not from three, but especially in that mid-range type area. I think as long as they prioritize not only ball movement, but player movement within that offense, I do think a lot of this can work because they're all willing to make moves toward the basket in that regard without the ball. You, you think in this, a lot of the same Metcalf. Yeah. And I just thinking about, you know, I, one of the co- complaints with this pick I know is going to be, well, they have a ton of guards already. They, they have a crowded backcourt. I think Anthony blacks almost immediately jumps to the start or to, to the front of the line in terms of minutes. And just thinking long-term, I, I really like how Markel Fultz has kind of resurrected his career. And I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think he's in Orlando's long-term plans and you look at a guy like Jalen Suggs and pairing him with Anthony Black in the backcourt defensively you you can throw Suggs as your point of attack defender and you don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about Anthony Black getting around screens you know keeping up with quicker point guards you can then put him on the wing then on offense you can have Anthony Black run run the point a little more and have Jalen Suggs you know improve as that spot-up shooter where he's always been a little more effective. Oh my goodness. Oh we have the first Lord we have the absolute first breaker on the no ceilings NBA mock draft. It is not Jarris Walker going at seven. It is Bilal Koulibaly wow. going at seven to the wow. Indiana Pacers. And you know what? Man oh man. Listen, Maxwell, I have a question for you. Was someone in that Indiana Pacers offense in front office reading my piece? about Bilal Koulibaly possibly having Maybe. some early career comparisons when you break the Espoir film down to somebody like Victor Oladipo, giving how much he actually showed playing out of the pick and roll it, over in France. Like, what do you think about this pick? It could be. I, I got to be honest, man. I am I am blindsided I by love this it. pick. I did I love not it so see this much. coming. But I love it because what if we talked about with this Indiana Pacers team? Need a little bit more size, need a little bit more athleticism. With his frame and with his size – you're going to be able to keep Ben Matherin at the two long-term. You've got a ton of length with those two and Halliburton. You've got a fantastic cutter with those two guys as, as floor spacers and shooters in Halliburton and Matherin and Miles Turner spacing the floor that it opens up so much of what Koulibaly can do as a cutter. Um, I love it. I, I did not see this coming a mile away, but I think it's one of those things that you look at it in hindsight and the, the fit is actually pretty stellar. Uh, and he's going to have some room to kind of grow and, and be the kind of Mikhail Bridges type guy that we thought he could be. Absolutely. So I guess my my question here, here is... Hold, hold up, guys. So he's not going to the Pacers. I was oh, literally just going to ask, is he going to be involved in a trade? Like, he, is he that is. why they're making the pick? He, he's going to Washington. So the Wizards are trading up to eight and, and taking Bilal Koulibaly. Whoa. Mean, so wait, so who are the Pacers getting... For trading back. I guess uh, we're so going to find out in a second. Spots, yeah. We're going to find out in a second. So Washington's going to be making the pick for Indiana. So basically Washington had to move interesting. up to be able. So that means, what, so what, what, what does that mean? Right? So, so if we're putting some of the breadcrumbs together, Utah's interest in Bilal at nine, I guess was legitimate. Like that's probably why they're making this deal. Right. Sh- shout because out to Utah Matt Babcock having the intel. Up. 
Well, shout out for Matt. Matt got the selection right. He just wasn't correct on the number, as as we all oh, were. So that no. that's. <laughs> Goodness. I know, right? We're we're really picking this here. So point, I it, so if Indiana's picking here at eight, Jarris Walker, I, I think it's got to be Jarris Walker. Oh boy! Wait, so this is Indiana picking eight? Yes. Yeah. So okay. they're essentially swapping spots. So Washington's okay. about to make a pick for Indiana. So we think that's going to be Jarris Metcalf. So Utah stays at nine. Utah staying at nine. Okay. Metcalf, you have to be breathing a massive sigh of relief because I saw your face. Your boy Jarris <laughs> was about to fall. Past Indiana. Listen, if I were on the board for the Pist- for the Pacers at seven, I would have also taken Jarris Walker. I know how much you like him, but that would have been the pick that makes the most sense to me. Now that we think that's what's going to happen, but regardless, you know, your your face said it all when you saw when you heard Koulibaly at seven. Like like what was going through your mind? I just wow. There, there there's the, there's the home the home run swing of home run swings of the night. Um, you know, we we talked about a pre-show where. His upside and what he could grow into is really, really exciting. I just think he has a little farther ways to go than both of you guys do. I I think he's a really good defender. I think the offense is a big question mark in Washington. He should have the time to really develop all of that stuff. I think it's a great landing spot for him. I... It didn't really make a ton of sense for me in Indiana. Uh, I figured that they would want someone who is a little more polished, a little more ready to go right off the bat. And if that is Jairus Walker, that fits the bill perfectly. And it's a position of need. I love his fit with his playmaking ball handling next to Tyrese Halliburton, the physicality and defense next to Miles Turner. I, I think Jairus Walker would be a perfect fit here. I love that Bilal is going to a spot where the team is completely rebuilding and completely tearing yep. it down and being slow and patient with putting really high – potential pieces together so Woj actually spoiled the pick before adam silver even came up on the stage which, he did which Woj confirm. said he was not gonna do well he didn't do it on twitter he didn't do it on twitter he actually did it on television but okay nevertheless, okay he did still spoil it so metcalf yeah so it is jairus walker who is going to be the guy so anyways but back to our regularly scheduled programming jairus walker to the pacers what do you think about the fit it's perfect yeah <laughs> that's all we got it's it, 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 it's the it most is perfect it is though world. like this is this is again like what we talked about them needing somebody with size because they played lineups with ostensibly four guards quite a bit last season um he is going to have a wide open lane to roll to the basket yep. and he's going to get to roll instead of having to pop every single time like like he did at houston this past season um the level of playmaking that gets added in having him alongside somebody like Tyrese Halliburton where Matherin is more basic as a decision maker um yeah. and then obviously like you have Nemhard off the bench you can played him together with Halliburton a little bit they didn't have a lot of playmaking outside of the guard position um and getting that on your roster is is huge and then defensively him and Miles Turner even with Jarris as a rookie and rookies are generally going to struggle defensively he is so good instinctively that you're immediately yeah. putting together one of the most like physically imposing and mentally opposing imposing uh lineups in, in terms of a front court in the nba uh i'm all about it metcalf jerris is your guy so kind of kind of lay it out here what, what are we thinking i j- just the the two-way intelligence of this team is going to be fascinating um the the pick and roll between jerris walker and tyrese halliburton is going to be a oh. tremendous amount of fun uh the horns actions they can run with uh with miles turner um then having matherin as that backdoor cutter lob threat kick out for spot of threes movement threes as an option um the spacing that he's going into at indiana is so much better than what he's played with 
or played with this last year at Houston. And it's just going to open up so many different avenues for how he can impact a game where when he's rolling or cutting, you know, Roberts isn't going to be standing right at the rim waiting for him. It's like, Hey buddy, like let, let's take a couple steps out and give me a little bit of space here. And then defensively the, the amount of ground that him and miles Turner can cover and the versatility and the physicality that they can play with defending the rim, uh, defending in space, rebounding. It's exactly what you dream of when you're building a, a defense around a power forward in the center. It's the, the, the fit and the upside with Jairus Walker is so much fun. I, I absolutely adore this pick. So here's here's a stat that I looked up because I thought it was it was very interesting when you mentioned like the handoff horns opening things up for Matherin as a cutter. Um, one thing I was thinking about is like Ben Matherin was a lob threat a lot yeah. at Arizona in the, in the half court, and you didn't really see as much of that in Indiana. He actually dunked the ball more times at, at Arizona than he did for the Indiana Pacers this season. And that's not a you know a failure of Indiana's offense or anything like that. They had the pieces in place that they had. Like you, you've just got to run what what fits. But having somebody like Jairus who's going to be able to orchestrate at the elbows, um, the the free throw line extended, just places like that on the floor, it, it's going to be a huge huge help for unleashing that aspect of Benedict Matherin again. So, I got to be honest. I love this fit so much that I'm going to pick preseason the Indiana Pacers to finish in the top six of the Eastern Conference. I'm not saying they're going to finish with like a top four seed, but I'm probably going to slot them in as my sixth seed to avoid the play-in because that's how much I believe in this team already. With Tyrese Halliburton at the helm, they were certainly achieving above expectations before any of this happened. Now it seems like this front office is dedicated to making the right moves to make the most of this combination of Halliburton as well as Nemhard, you know, helping out Ben Matherin. You're getting a guy like Jairus Walker who could take advantage of all the space that Miles Turner provides at that center position. This is even, even like the high-low stuff, right, with Jairus and even, even a lob guy like Isaiah Jackson who can play in the dunker spot as well. Like there's just so much this team's going to be able to do with a guy like Jairus in the mix. This draft, you know what? I'm petty. I'm going to say we're, we were seven for seven in our mock draft because yep. Jairus is Indiana the did Pacers, take him. So yeah. He yeah. did take him. So we had our first real shakeup with Bilal Kulabali going inside the top eight. Maxwell, tell you what, my big board, my personal big board isn't actually looking that bad in terms of the 10 guys mm-hmm. I have in that big board. The last two would be Cam Whitmore and then Taylor Hendricks. So the pick is in for the Utah Jazz. Adam Silver is going to walk across the stage to announce the 92nd. If you were in this position for Utah, we mocked Cam Whitmore to the Jazz. Is that what you would do, or would you go I with would. Taylor Hendricks at nine? Yeah, I I, I want to raise my ceiling still. Like Utah's in a position where they're going to remain competitive because I think they're counting on other teams' picks to kind of keep propelling them forward, and I think that's fine. It's it's worked for Danny mm-hmm. Ainge in the past. Um, but I still want a bite at that high ceiling apple that I that I think Cam Whitmore brings to the table as far as a guy who is one of the youngest players in the class made 40% of his catch and shoot threes made like 64% of his rim attempts in the half court and really showed a lot of improvement as far as a defender on the ball um, down the stretch, covering multiple positions, containing opponents, using that strong body of his to wall guys off those kind of guys. If they hit are so hard to find that like, if you can get one at nine, I think you just got to do it. You've got so many other picks coming down the pipe. You've got a solid team. If it takes a little bit of time, that's okay. I'm I'm going for Whitmore here if I'm Utah. Metcalf, if you were in Utah's shoes, who would you take at nine right here? It's tough because they you, you know they kind of want to be competitive. Uh, Whitmore is my best available. I really hate that fit, though. I, 
I really worry about how much the ball is going to stop in that offense. Um, I know Jordan Clarkson made big improvements as a point guard. I, he, I they need another guard as, there. I still don't want him as Colin my point Sexton. guard. Yeah, exactly. yeah, the guards only score, and they have like no guys under the age of thirty-seven that are like between six foot five and six foot eight. There isn't a playmaker on that team right now, and I case I, I love Kaysen, Um, you know, in terms of pick and rank, and I have him at eleven. He's fourth best on my board. I love the idea of Kobe Bufkin there. Um, Is there a ta- case still to take Taylor Hendricks there at nine, with the rationale being that they can find their four man to fit in between? Lowry and Walker Kessler, and he's a guy who's not necessarily going to stop the ball within the offense and, and keep it from moving, but he is going to get up a shot more likely than not as a spot-up guy. Yeah, but he's going to get the shot up, right? Like, the ball's not – you're not going to watch him, sure. like, stand around indecisively within, like, five, six seconds like we saw Whitmore sometimes in the Villanova offense. Like, is there a case to just do that? I think the, the defensive pairing of him and yeah. Kessler would be a would lot be of awesome. Fun. No one's scoring at the rim on that <laughs> team. But, again, similar to Cam, like – yeah, like Hendricks is a little more decisive with that he's going to shoot it, but that's also kind of because he doesn't really do anything else yeah, on he, offense. Yeah. He's so not why can't, why can't Kobe Bufkin be the guy here? Like that would be – so be. Metcalf, I know he should was seventh be. on your board. Like why – like that would be my pick, honestly. Like so here, here's the thing, right? So we think Utah is going to take a guard with one of their two picks in the top 16. Maybe they could target one at 16. My philosophy, though, is always if you have a guy who you think is the legitimate fit for your team, don't try and get cute. Don't mm-hmm. try and get cute with trading back or maybe maybe hoping that someone's going to pass on him. Like, go get your guy at nine. Like, if they have a guard like a Kaysen or a Kobe Buckin that they think can be the point guard or pair alongside Colin Sexton in the backcourt, Metcalf, like, like, just go get that guy. That would be my philosophy. Yeah, and I, I have Kobe in the same tier as Cam, so it, it wouldn't be that hard for me to just pull the trigger on that. I, I don't think Kobe's, uh, you know, a pure point guard by any means but his off-ball movement his quick decision making his ability to run a two-man game um he moves the ball i i really like how he would fit in that offense and just be that connective piece that keeps everything flowing um so much better than a guy like cam or taylor hendricks even though i have those two guys rated higher so when we're talking just fit perspective i i really like kobe buffkin there and he's in that same tier where it wouldn't be like a oh god we're really settling and missing out on some on a prospect that could be so much better i I think their upside is kind of similar maxwell talk to me about case and wallace because i think that he's he's higher on your board from that perspective what what about that fit yes i'm i'm a big case and guy um i'm sorry i'm just so far up from the jairus pick that i had to like move (laughs) my little iced coffee that i've been drinking like out of reach like i just i love that fit so much um so with Kaysen, I think you're just getting somebody who's a little bit more prepared to be a pull-up shooter. He was he was just better sure. on pull-up twos, a little bit more comfortable on pull-up threes. I think their numbers are probably pretty close. Um, I just think Kaysen's a little bit more in control of himself, a little bit more polished. Um, while Kobe Bufkin did pressure the rim and finish really well there, um, a lot of those numbers were actually assisted, which changes things a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, okay. I the pick Kaysen is Taylor is Hendricks, in. guys. It's Taylor right. Hendricks is in, so Cam Whitmore is still falling. So hey, so somebody thought my pitch just made sense about, about five <laughs> seconds ago to just take Taylor Hendricks. But Maxwell, now that the pick is in, you let, you and I went back and forth a lot over text uh, about Taylor Hendricks and how much we thought he could be an impact player. And and I actually made a case that was very similar to the case that I think Chuck from Chuck and Darts was making a lot of time. Shout out to Chuck over on his show. 
maybe this is a guy we're sleeping on to actually finish in like a top three rookie of the year vote. Like maybe he could be much more of an instant impact guy than we thought while also having a good long-term ceiling of his own. So did, are, can you justify the pick on the Utah side or would you yeah. still want to see something else happen? Yeah. And I think a big part of it is like what Metcalf said, right? Like your, your level of room protection between Walker Kessler is a traditional big, who's going to show the level or, or drop and now having one of the best weak side rim protectors uh, to come along really just among forwards. Like if you look at guys that have stuck in the NBA over the last 10 years or so, Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks are like outlier good as far as shot blocking numbers for a four, yeah. um, especially for freshmen. Uh, so you're getting another really high level weak side rim protector and you're getting somebody that's a great three point shooter. When I wrote my piece about Taylor Hendricks a week or so ago, one of the biggest things that stood out was that he made around 42% of his unguarded catch and shoot threes and 40% of his guarded catch and shoot threes. He has such a high release that even when guys are standing in front of him, he can knock down shots. He's going to have unbelievable real gravity at the NBA level, grew a lot in terms of his technique defensively, playing a little bit wider, sitting lower in his stance, not putting his hands on guys, staying long. Um, I think he might have a bit of an adjustment just because the ball skills aren't all the way there. He's still really thin. He struggled at the basket a lot because of his frame. Uh, guys were a little bit better at the basket against him at times because of that. Um, I think it's going to take him some time, but I think if we come back down the road and we look at this class and he's a top five guy, it's it's not a big shock just because he does so many valuable things that translate to winning in the NBA playoffs. Uh, I think you're getting a good long-term starter in Taylor Hendricks. Man, it, he's traded McDaniels without the on-ball stuff. That's actually a really interesting comparison, one that I really haven't heard thrown around too much, even in our no-ceilings chat. Well, well done thinking of fly with that one, Metcalf. But I, I have another question for you. So Dallas is on the clock. Yeah. There has been no trade announcement as of yet. There were a lot of rumors that maybe Atlanta moves up to 10, and, and Dallas ultimately would move back to 15, pick up one of Atlanta's assets. Now that we've seen Cam Whitmore fall to the spot, wouldn't it kind of make sense so, so for them I'm, to I'm take Cam cu- Whitmore at 10? Uh, no, because Adrian Wojnarowski just announced Mavericks are trading number 10 and Davis Bertans to the Thunder. Oh, him. the Thunder are moving up two oh, spots. Boy. Are the Thunder going to take Cam Whitmore? Or do they have someone else in mind? Uh, I'm calling my shot with Kobe Bufkin. That would be... That would be awesome if they were full full on Buffkin boys. That's a lot of guards, though. That's so, a lot of guards. I kind of think it's Whitmore. I I could be wrong. Uh, so so it is it it is a lot of guards, but at the same time though, Maxwell outside out outside of Shea and then Giddy in that starting backcourt, who also you sold on after them at this point with that Thunder team. Like if if is the move maybe them going out and getting a veteran to fill like that third guard spot? Or do they feel like, Hey, let's just solidify the rotation. Go get someone like Kobe Bufkin who can also play off of either of those guys and give us the type of depth that we want at that position going into the playoffs. Hopefully that, yeah, yeah, that could be the move. I, I, I'm just like really hung up on the lack of like four fives on this team. So am I, I think Derek Lively would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, but are you trading up to 10? No, you're not. That's the thing. So, like, but it, but do we know what the package was outside of 12? You've got a million first-round picks. So if you think Lively's the guy, maybe you just do it. Um, I, I think it was just Burton. So I think they took on his contract. Oh, it's just taking the contract? That's yeah, all, I don't that's hate all that. Watch, maybe you do. If, if Lively's your guy, I think that's totally fine. 
yeah, there's no other details. I know we're just talking on, on ESPN's broadcast right now. There really aren't any other details behind it. So it is quite literally that easy of a swap. So my money would be on them taking Cam Whitmore here. Uh, honestly, does, does he up. fit how they play at all? Or no, any of the but players I, but I think, ever I think that's part of the argument. I, th- I think that's like part of the thing is it's like, okay, yeah, everybody on this team passes. Everybody is very like, we keep the ball moving and whatever. But I think you can get away with having one guy that just finishes plays. Bingo. You can get away with having like yep. one guy where it's like he's just the guy that catches and shoots or catches and drives, sure. and that's it. And then he defends and he rebounds for us because they really need rebounding. And I think maybe that could be the train of thought. But if they don't take Cam Whitmore, I think it's for those very reasons that you outlined. Like he and, is just not their type of guy. Like even I, like look at like Usman Jang, yeah. right? Who's like super super raw. I mean, obviously had a great stretch to to close. Uh, the season before his draft year. Um, but yeah, like they just like the tools he feel guys. So, and I, I have cam at five on my board, so I'm not trying He's to four for me. Yeah. So I, I think really highly of him. I think he has a lot of, a lot of potential. And, you know, if we're talking about him in a similar context on the thunder, as we were to the Pistons for, you know, that fit of playing off a of Cade, you know, him playing off of guys like SGA and Giddy and Chet. And then, like you guys just said, being that play finisher, it makes sense because the athleticism, whatever the medicals might be, there are so many tools that have had him as high as number three on a lot of people's boards. There's a lot to like. So we see some spoilers in the chat. Apparently Shams is putting some stuff out there. Ooh, We're going to find Shams. out if those are right in a second. Adam Silver's on the podium, so we're going to find out. Could there possibly still be a guard in play? Perhaps. Is that where this is going? Adam Silver's announcing the pick right now. So, Case and Wallace. Okay. Wow. Okay. You, you know You're what? You're getting a dog. You're getting a dog. You know what? I don't hate that. I, I don't hate it. I If I was taking a guard... I would have taken Kobe Bufkin. I would probably would have been with Metcalf, but Maxwell, listen, you, you no, you, yeah. you're, you've been a guy, you've been fighting for Case and Wallace for a yeah, lot of this draft cycle as, as a top yeah, 10 guy. Does. So talk to me about how he could possibly fit in with OKC. Yeah. So I think a big part of the appeal with, with Case is that, so I, I mentioned earlier, he pressured the rim a lot and he finished really well at the rim, but there are some people that have a little bit of a hang up around that because like he is more comfortable pulling up and he's not like blazing fast, doesn't have a super advanced handle. But you put him alongside Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy and other guys that are going to get those initial advantages, get the defense scrambling. That's going to make it a lot easier for him to attack downhill. Um, and this is also a guy who was making 42% of his threes before he had a back injury. So off the ball, he knows what to do. He knows how to space the floor. He's ready to launch it off the catch. And he's just giving you another dynamite defender on a team that loves to get guys that, that really know how to defend and how to move in space, right? Like when teams are are moving the ball and you've got to rotate and you've got to make plays when you get into those gray areas. Kaysen Wallace knows where to go. Uh, great transition shot blocker for a guard, which anytime you can throw something like that out there, you got to do it just because it's so fun. Um, but yeah, I think you're getting another steady, smart player who has a sneaky, sneaky ceiling because he's just really good at a lot of things already. It's going to allow him to play right away. And as time develops, he can become more creative work on that handle. It's all stuff that's pretty easy to work on and improve with case and Wallace. I, I, I think you're getting a tremendous guy in terms of immediate, immediate impact and upside. All right. So Maxwell, unfortunately that was your farewell for this segment. We're going to swap out. I'll be back later. <laughs> he'll, he'll be back. We're going to swap out co-hosts 
in this section of the draft. So picks 11 to 15, we're going to keep Medcalf. We're bringing on the conductor of chaos and no ceilings. Tyler, Tyler Rucker is going to be coming on back with us. There he is. Oh, How, right. Are we having fun or what? Come yeah, on. Speaking of chaos, we've got trades all over the place. Was that your doing? Is that what you were orchestrating behind the scenes while you were off screen? I mean, yeah, we were we were really on a heater there for no ceilings for the mock draft until uh, Kulabale had to ruin that. So thanks a lot, Washington. Now I can't like you again. But no, I'm having fun. Um, I love that Case and Wallace went to OKC. That's just classic Presty. Um, what are you guys thinking? How are we doing? I want to know. I want to know your thoughts about it because you actually did a wonderful YouTube video breakdown on Case and Wallace's defense. And I do feel like if there is one thing that OKC needs out of that backcourt, it's defense. And I think everything that he's going to provide is sort of what they need. No. Yeah, it makes sense. I I, I feel like. Presti was one of those, if he was going to target backcourt guys, I feel like it, it was going to come down to either Kaysen or Kobe Bufkin because versatile guys with good length, defensive ability. Um, you know, we all know that OKC has those offensive guys that have the weaponry right now. J-Dub looks like he's going to be having another great year probably after a strong rookie campaign. But I think they've even played him on the three because he's got some size. So, you need to get another backcourt guy. You need to get someone that can lock up things. And I think Kaysen's a fantastic pick. It's one of, you know what it is? It's one of those really smart picks for a team that's going to try to make a push in the playoffs. And Bingo. you get another piece and Kaysen in a playoff series sounds really fun. Like a nice little wrinkle that goes out there and is like, okay, take care of business and make smart plays. Give SGA a break. Um, who knows? Now they got versatility. And then all of a sudden you have Chet at the end, but. I love Kaysen. Me and Metcalf have talked about he's got some of the most violent hands yeah. you'll see in this entire draft class. Um, and I think he just had a fantastic season. Like I I, I thought he was going to be a name that should go lottery. I've said it before. I was like, he's one of the safest lottery picks, I think, in this class. And I, I absolutely love him. Now I'm getting excited that Kobe Bufkin might fall a little bit. So we're going to see what happens, Metcalf. I, I, I know I Brad, was, Brad Stevens is on line three. <laughs> I, I think it was really interesting that they felt like they had to trade up to 10 to get them that, too. That's interesting to me. I think that was the one. And that's why I love Presti is like, go get your guy. I always say that. Like if you, if you're close and you think someone might be in that wheelhouse to go get him, just go get him. Like he has all these picks um, taking on Bertans for just that sounds hilarious, but I think it's a great pick. I, I, I understand it. Presti's just, Keep getting his guys. You'll figure it out later. I'll tell you one person who's incredibly happy about this. We, we, we saw Dylan shout us out from the Top of Thunder <laughs> podcast. That man is yes. a Kentucky boy through and through. He must be ecstatic that Case and Wallace is going to the Thunder. But we got to pick the Orlando Magic at 11. Oh, I'm really I'm really fascinated with what they're going to do here. Oh, gosh. Here I, we go. I, I, I moved my eyes. Jet Howard. Look oh. at this. I'm so – you know what? I'm so happy they picked Jet. Let's go. Guys, we did it. Uh, we did it. This is – We're giving a shit go for blue. years, and we're go blue. Back. You know what? This is a massive victory. But I was the idiot for, for having a preseason lottery. That's what I thought. Where did I have him on my board? Take my victory lap. 14? Looks like, okay, we're good. Shout out. You know what? Always we, believed. I'm proud of this. We A lot of us stuck to our gun. Shout out Albert, too. Albert had him early. I get it. I mean, they needed a shooter. Jet has that size. Now you have Franz. You have Jet. 
Um, Anthony Black, whoa, here we go. And that is big time. And then, okay, we didn't bring up Paulo. So they've got firepower now. You've got size. I like this. This is great. They're just prioritizing legitimate big wings who can dribble, pass, and shoot, right? As Rucker just talked about, you got Paolo Franz, Jet Howard. You're throwing Anthony Black into the mix. I get it. He's not your prototypical shooter yet, but if he could become at least an average shooter, talk about how dangerous this team becomes. And what I love the most, Metcalf, about this pick, I know you've been a Jet guy for this entire cycle going back to the preseason. The playmaking flashes that he did show at Michigan to me, it wasn't just the the movement shooting or his ability to move without the basketball, but when he got reps in pick and roll, when he worked off DHOs, his ability to find guys, I think Paolo and Franz are going to love that he's just another guy who can get him the ball. This team's going to be able to run some of the most fun stuff on offense next year. Just the movement between him, Franz, Paolo, Anthony Black, it's going to be so much fun. And obviously he's a rookie, so you have to temper expectations a little bit in terms of minutes. But the the size and ver- offensive versatility that this team just keeps putting together, it's it's awesome. They they took the home run swing with Anthony Black at six. Now they're adding shooting and a player who has a ton more upside. What I think is so fascinating about Jet is when he was coming out of IMG as a senior, the big question with him was the offense. And there was more intrigue about his defense. And that completely flipped this year because – the defense was not good, but the offense was something special and his ability to create on ball, to create off ball, the decision-making, the passing. It's, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And I just, I want to clarify, you know, I, I shouted out at when this pick was made that I think this was a big win for no ceilings. And I know that we mocked him at 17 Rucker, you know, Maxwell and I made that pick on behalf of the Los Angeles Lakers when we were making that mock, again, it was predictions based around a lot of the intel that we were hearing. And, and basically everything among consensus media was that Jet Howard's a name that is dropping. You could even find him on some mock drafts and big boards outside of the top 20. And we, we all understood why that may very well have been happening, but we also used the why as a rationale for if the double ankle injuries are really what's holding him back in terms of that second half of the year production – then why shouldn't we put more stock into what we saw the first half of the year, which is a guy who was projected top 10 at a lot of different points throughout the first half of the year like this. This pick doesn't surprise me at all. I, I just think it's a great move for, for Orlando through and through. I, I don't want to sound arrogant or make us sound arrogant. I think this is a win for us because it was kind of a case study for us because all of us were sticking. It's probably one of the top guys we've all discussed in the group chats. Every yep. single time we've had a meeting, this whole team is like, I like jet. What's going on? What are we missing? And it, it is, it's pretty cool because a lot of us stuck to the guns. A lot of everybody had him really high. Albert had him really high the whole year. Shout out to Albert. And we were all like, he could still go really early. Like, obviously he's falling in all these mock drafts. We projected him later too, but we were like, he could probably be one of the surprise guys that still goes early. He's got size. He's a lethal catch and shoot weapon. And I feel like we, we did so many mocks where we mocked him to the thunder and thunder fans were all over us. And they're like, that's way too early. And I was like, yeah, I guess one pick later. We did the or Orlando thing before. too. I think a few times, right? We yeah, had to Orlando so 11. I, I, it just makes sense. And I think that's where people get to a point where they're like, okay, you always got to swing for upside. And it's like a team like Orlando, this made perfect sense because you need a big 
wing that can do this, especially he's going to be one of the best shooters in this class. Jet was banged up when we saw him healthy. He was lethal. I mean, I, I think this is a fantastic addition. And now that is a scary lineup. Like their smallest guy might be six, seven running the point. So um, I, I really like this. I think this is a smart move and um, Orlando's they're going to be fun. We, I'm telling you, they're that, on the right path. We knew they needed to add shooting one way or another. They had to come out of this draft with two lottery picks, getting someone who can put the ball in the basket from the perimeter. A lot of mocks had Grady Dick. I know Jonathan Gavoni was on ESPN this morning, banging the drum for Grady Dick being a real target for them at 11. I am much happier though. They went the jet Howard pick instead, because there's just so much more upside because of the ball handling, because of the creative passing flashes that he showed. Like, it is an upside pick to me, right? Like if mm-hmm. Jet Howard reaches his ceiling, he could be like a Franz light, honestly, for this Orlando team. I can see them running a lot of the same stuff they did with Franz. Jet can do those things. And so, yeah, I I, I can't stop gushing about this pick. But we, ha- we have to look forward and continue moving on in this draft because OKC is going to be picking for Dallas. And mm-hmm. now Dallas moved back two spots. This pick doesn't seem to be... On the move as of yet, there's there's could always be some you know Woj bomb going off, or there could be a three team trade, or we, we don't know what can happen. But it seems like Dallas is going to be taking a player here. To me, I think Derek Lively makes the most sense. Honestly, yeah, I, I think that say. that should be the pick. Um, is there an argument <laughs> for anyone else? Medcalf is there possibly like a Kobe Buffkin type argument? in there maybe getting another guard if they think Kyrie's going to be on the move and he's not coming back to Dallas like is there another argument or you think lively like yeah let's just see Dallas make that pick yeah, so I think Cam Whitmore's the home run swing again um but it, it really seems like teams are really concerned about the medicals so we we heard him, like I heard like three different medical rumors with, with Whitmore like as of this morning I like even too. Rafael Barlow yeah. was like sharing some of that on social media I like, got I got two heavy ones and they were both very blunt. I was like, oh, okay. All right. So yeah. it's bad so, when so you this keep getting that legitimate. one. Yeah. And yeah. When you keep getting now, them, that's not good. The fact Sorry, that he's now falling, teams are trading up for other guys. It, it's not a good it's sign. Unfortunately. Bad, yeah. And earlier today, I, I think it was Mark Cuban who came out and said, "Is you know, we need an athletic rim protector. Oh, okay. Well, Derek Lively's on the board and here you are. So I, I, think the lively pick just makes too much sense he's incredibly low maintenance on offense uh there were some passing flashes i don't buy the shooting at all any nba guy can make 14 straight threes in an empty gym that's a very normal thing uh but his defense and his rim protection and his lob finishing and rim running are perfect for what this team needs it would be such an easy fit next to luca and a really young athletic defender that this team hasn't had in a while if you interviewed any Dallas Mavericks fan before the draft and said, what if we said you got lively and got rid of Bertans? Bertans that's what I was just going to say. Every yeah. single one would be like, this would be the best draft in the history of our franchise. Like that, what they did alone just to get rid of Bertans contract. Like, that's an ugly contract. That's a humongous deal for them. And they only went back a couple of spots. So if you could potentially get a guy that you thought you were going to get at 10, moving back a couple of spots and unloading that contract, now you can go use that money probably for free agency, like get someone for Luca. But Luca is going to love Lively because he's just going to throw every lob and be like, catch everything, rebound, throw me the ball, block shots. It's going to be great. But can can I Whitmore throw out a just, fascinating rumor? A yeah, fascinating rumor. We love rumors, rumors, rumors. 
what if all this cap space clearing is going to be a target <laughs> to target a wing who just announced he was going to be an unrestricted free agent. Now, I think Middleton. he's going to go back to Milwaukee on a hometown discount, but could this possibly be a play for, for Chris Middleton in did Dallas? Did Middleton go to AM? No. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So it's connecting some dots. The old brain works sometimes. I, um, I, I and again, it, it, he could be going back to Milwaukee. We don't know, but Silver's let's see, walking let's out. See what the pick's gonna, yeah, let's see if the pick's going to be made. Silver's announcing four. Gosh, he's skinny and tall. <laughs> Derek Lively. Here we go. Okay. So it just, it just makes sense. It just makes so much sense. Like that's what we've been Dallas talking about. Dallas is so. one of my winners of the draft right now. And, yeah. and I, it's not even that I'm like head over heels about Lively. I just think what they just did is fantastic. You got a position of need. You moved back a couple spots and you got rid. Now you opened up some, some security. I mean, some, some cap flexibility that, I hope they don't use towards Kyrie. No offense to the Kyrie faithful out there, but um, what do you guys think? I so so here's here's one of the rare instances in which they were able to thread the needle between filling a position of need and also getting potentially BPA slash best upside all left on the board because Derek Lively has more to his game that he will hopefully be able to show just past protecting the rim, just past rebounding. You know, we saw some of the short role playmaking, his passing out off of offensive rebounds, his ability to maybe even shoot the basketball a little bit and space the floor for some of these other guys in Dallas, particularly if they they want to have the lane clear for, for Luca to do his best work, which is in the mid range. It's in the painted area. He loves backing guys down. He loves getting close to the basket, going to that little runner. So between being able to find something they needed defensively on top of capitalizing on maybe there's more room for him to improve defensively. Maybe there's more room for him to improve offensively. This just seems like a home run pick Metcalf for, for thread the needle for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the biggest selling point with him is the defense because it, it, he was one of the best, or I think he was the, or had the highest block rate um, in college basketball this season. He was one of the best rim protectors in college basketball over the last couple of years. Um, and he can move his feet on the perimeter. You obviously don't want him switching everything, but in a pinch, he can hold his own. Offensively, it's going to be very simple for him. And he's going to be getting a lot of easy dunks because of what Luca and potentially Kyrie can do with the ball. And if he's willing to, stand his toes and jump for everything he's going to get a lot of easy opportunities he's got to learn how to set better screens and you know tighten some of that stuff up fundamentally but those guys clean up a lot of errors and make life really really easy for their teammates he's not going to be asked to do really anything on offense outside of his comfort zone Um, and as we can see in some of this highlight tape he is pretty comfortable making some of these really advanced uh, skip passes out of the post. Absolutely. So th- there is some op- upside to his offense, even though he's not going to be asked to do much in the long run. It could really, you know, all the pieces could start falling into place and he could become a really interesting two-way center. Maybe I'm on an Island. Maybe I'm alone with this, but I do think there's going to be more to Derek Lively's defense in terms of being able to play away from the basket. Maybe, j- just because of how he moves, Right, how he moves on the court, he doesn't move like a traditional big man, right? He's not a plotter. He actually moves really well, really late on his feet for somebody at that size at seven foot one. I do think there's more value to unlock with him as you coach him up 
on that side of the ball. I agree. You don't want him switching every single possession, but I think he actually may get to a point where he can handle his own, you know, away from the basket more often than, than certainly a lot of people are thinking. So I, I, I great pick, great pick. Well done Dallas. So we move on to 13 with the Toronto Raptors. There's been a lot of buzz about Keontae George possibly being a name that's in play for the Raptors. We still have Kobe Bufkin on the board. Casey Wallace is off the board. We also thought that that pick would have made a lot of sense if he would have still been in play. Jalen hood Shafino is another name in the guard spot who would fit really well, I think, with what Toronto's looking for. But listen, Metcalf, we keep looking at each other. Like, when's Kobe Bufkin going to come off the board? Like, when is this going to happen? Like, is this the pick for, for Toronto? Is that what you would do at this point? Take Kobe Bufkin. Yeah, and I would have done it a while ago. Um, I just sound like a broken record now. I feel like this is like five picks in a row where I'm like, oh, Kobe Bufkin. just sound like an idiot up here. You you, you um, got your pick with Jarris <laughs> going off the board where you wanted him to go. Now Kobe Bufkin has to be the guy who tortures you during the no, I I think he makes a lot of sense here It from, you know, what we've heard. The that there's mutual interest. Um, who knows what happens now? Maybe they instead take a swing on Cam, Whit- Cam Whitmore. There's also been a lot of talk about Keontae George. I do think they go guard here. Um, seems like Fred Van Vliet's out the door. Who knows, though? Uh, Gary Trent, also kind of an unknown, keeps popping up in some trade rumors, but uh, allegedly wants to stay there. They they need guard help and guard depth. And I think either Buffkin or Keontae George make a lot of sense here. Kobe would be my pick. Um, I, I just think his versatility and his upside are, are just too much to pass on. And he's younger than a lot of these freshmen that, you know, are also in this draft. Rucker, the story of my life for many years has been, if I think something makes absolutely zero sense, it tends to happen. I think Cam Whitmore makes zero sense here. I wouldn't understand that at yeah. all. But I agree. Yeah. Because that's the story. Is that <laughs> something that could actually happen because he's still falling? I think so. I I think I've I've always said that Buffkin or I've heard that Buffkin's floor was Toronto. Um yeah. it makes a lot of sense with what they need. He checks a lot of boxes of what they've always looked for. But this is always funny when you talk about like promises and everything. Like the board all of a sudden mm-hmm. looks a lot different than what you were yeah. expecting. So how how much does that promise worth? And I, I was just going to say to you guys, I think this is my favorite range of the draft is like right at the end of the lottery, because there's always a name or two that isn't supposed to be there. We weren't expecting it and teams are freaking out. So then the whole board look, there's some good names on the board right yeah, now. There's like some Huchifino, great names on the board. Keontae, Grady Dick, like obviously Whitmore. So there's some really big names. And all of a sudden, like this is where you could get some more chaos because teams behind you are are starting to get into that war room a little earlier. Like, uh, uh, let's get on the phone, see if we can move up. So um, here we go. Adam Pick Silver's in. coming up. I want to hear this one because I want to talk about New Orleans. Yeah, you're ahead of me too. So just give yeah. me like a delay. Sure. He's talking. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my oh. goodness. That guy wore the red suit for a reason. He knew Grady? where he was going on is draft it night. Yeah, it is Grady, Grady Dick. God, I'm so behind. Oh, my pick. God. For the Toronto Raptors. I tried to be quiet. I'm sorry. So It's always fun, you know. So here's the thing. I said I didn't understand the Cam Whitmore fit. I also do not understand the Grady Dick fit. Not that Grady Dick is a bad player or he's going to be a bad player. He's probably going to stick around in the NBA for a long time as a top eight, top nine rotational asset, maybe even as a starter. But, man, I just thought Rucker Toronto would swing for the fences a little more 
than just Grady Dick. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of like it. Um, just because I think if they're going to turn the keys over to being like, okay, Scotty Barnes, it's time. You got to be really taking that next step. I think Grady could be shooting. a good piece. Yeah, you could be a good piece with Scotty where it's like, okay, he plays off the ball. He can move, stuff like that. Um, I just really wanted them to add a guard. And now, I, I mean, you know, every time Kobe Bufkin doesn't go, I get more excited now. Like <laughs> I, if he, if Kobe Bufkin is the Marcus Smart replacer, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to handle it. But um, being serious, like it's, he was going to be the wild card that I think we were like, okay, he's either going to go early or he's going to go much later than we're expecting. But all it takes is one team to kind of <laughs> fall in love ridiculous. with them. Um, Metcalf. And, and, oh, you know, oh, sorry, Rucker. I didn't mean to. No, go you. ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead, guys. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, Metcalf, we, we, I saw an interesting quote from, from some people online that were kind of talking about the playoffs this year and how specialists aren't necessarily thriving anymore, especially deep when you get deep in the playoffs. And, our concern, at least my concern with Grady Dick, is if he's not knocking down shots, how much value does he actually have on the floor? And is that a player you actually want to take in the lottery? That's why I'm kind of looking at this pick with, with a side. Of, like, I, I get just getting shooting, but maybe trading out and, and, and getting him a little bit later if that's the player you wanted to target. Like, are, are you also scratching your head with this? Um, Not entirely. I mean, when you kind of just look, just even keeping it to his physical profile, he fits their project six, seven or whatever they call it. Um, so he has the positional size plus the shooting. Um, you know, I, none of us think he's quite the movement shooter that a guy like Jordan Hawkins necessarily is few yeah. are, but Grady's constantly moving and he is really exhausting to defend because he's constantly running off screens, relocating, cutting. Um, he's a lob threat on backdoor cuts there's a really good offensive rebounding stuff with him. I think he's a smart defender. He's going to get targeted on ball uh, just because of his frame. I, I do think there's a lot to like here. I think he's a really smart player that provides a bit of versatility. He's not going to be creating off the bounce. He's not going to do, be doing much of that, but he can attack closeouts. He can get to the rim doing that. He can hit mid-range pull-ups doing that. So playing off of guys like Pascal and Scotty and OG, if they're all there throughout the year, I think he's just a really nice compliment that gives them a reliable outlet, helps space the floor and give them and gives them uh, be better driving lanes. Well, I will say if this pick works out to the point where it's projected to and at 13th type value, you're probably looking at it as like a Cam Johnson type of situation where that's exactly the type of player he becomes in the NBA. And that's ultimately what he's going to be worth annually. That type of like Cam Johnson assets so 14 the new orleans pelicans rucker you just mentioned this range of the draft there's a lot of good names left on the board new orleans is fascinating and i wanted to talk about them because you see they, they seem like a team that has a little bit of everything but then you look at some parts of the roster and it's like well they actually could use an upgrade here maybe they could use another type of player here to better complement what they have like if you were the pelicans what type of player not even just the name you can throw out names but like what type of player would you look at if you're the pelicans safe <laughs> no yeah huchafino is probably like that. in that i need some i need some backcourt versatility i need a guy that i you know we, we we just took dyson daniels last year um almost getting another one of those where you're getting some size some position versatility um 
<laughs> like Whitmore would be, a, it, it, I feel like they could go Whitmore and I would be like, this is another terrifying idea just because of what's going on with Zion and Buffkin makes sense. Like you were probably not thinking that he was going to be there. I don't know. Like Jordan Hawkins, maybe they just have so many different directions they could go that I have no idea what they're thinking. They were probably thinking that maybe Case and Wallace was still going to be on the board. So maybe if they were, Did they just say screw it and go Cam Whitmore because he's fallen at this point. I, I think but, normally but then, you would then you but, get the injury concerns with him. Yeah, and then you're doubling down, and I don't know. I mean, Buffkin or Hood Shavino seems like a great pick for me here. Um, and then I would say Keontae George is probably in that conversation too, but I don't know. It, it, this is, we're getting interesting now because now we're getting to the teams where we've all had struggles figuring out like Atlanta, New Orleans, where like they could go in so many different directions. And I also think this is a popular part of where some trades could start falling in. I know I one thing you- Utah is coming up and Danny Ainge is about to say, I'm about to get Taylor Hendricks and Kim Whitmore in the first two picks. I'm going to be looking pretty good. So. It's at this point could have new Orleans maybe been hoping that Derek lively was going to fall here and maybe they could pick up some additional size with, you know, you have Jonas Valanciunas, but is he the type of long-term big you still want to keep signing to, to contract extensions? Cause he's not a real rim protector. We don't know what's going to happen with Jackson Hayes. I believe he's also going to be in restricted free agency. So with him off the board, you don't really have another big man you're looking at in this range. So if you are looking at guard Metcalf, you, you said Jalen hood, Shafino, doesn't Kobe Bufkin make more sense, though, than Hood Shafino? Because this team needs shooting. This team needs legitimate perimeter shooting. I'm buying the jump shot with Kobe Bufkin. I actually like his shooting versatility mm-hmm. he showed at Michigan in terms of being able to knock down shots from all over the floor. Like, doesn't that make more sense, or would you still go upside with JHS? And so with Hood Shafino, I would just be really intrigued by the consistency the at, at point guard. I, he's, he's an actual point guard. I, do, I don't think Buffkin's a point guard and maybe that's okay. where some of the disconnect is and why he's falling, falling a little bit. Um, I, I, lo- I love Kobe Buffkin. I think I've made that rel- pretty clear at this point. Um, but I, I think Huchifino just gives them that consistency at point guard. You mentioned they need shooting. Does Jordan Hawkins make sense here? Is he a guy where it's like, okay, maybe the fit isn't the cleanest, but you're a nasty shooter and putting you and Trey Murphy next to each other is going to be a lot of fun. I can't stand Silver's talking right now. I can't stand when he announces trades delayed. I guess he's doing it for the people there, but I almost wish I think, he announced I think they like, were trying the to finalize lies. it. I think that's Yeah, what yeah. I understand why he does it. It would just be more badass if he like announced it live well when he says like, trade, trade i'm thinking like is that is this pick on the move jordan hawkins delay. is the pick so okay all right metcalf you're gonna have to get it spoiled don't worry I, i'm recording it too so i'm gonna be re-watching it after this entire stream i like this pick i do i think this makes some sense with new orleans's team is you got to get this wrinkle like, I wanted Hawkins to go to a team where I was like, okay, use him as just this dangerous weapon of uh, versatility on the three-point line. And I, it's funny, I never thought of him going to New Orleans, but I, I really do like this idea with this roster. Obviously, everything we say is with Zion healthy. But what do you guys think? I mean, w- when you make a pick like this, New Orleans needed an injection of shooting somewhere and getting this type of shooting, right? how much of a movement shooter Hawkins is, how much he runs throughout an NBA game. I mean, <laughs> we haven't seen a player come into the NBA like him 
since what JJ Redick is probably like the, the the best comparison in terms of style of play. Yeah, he's, so, he's an early two thousands two thousands throwback. It, it, it's it, it gets me nostalgic. So like bringing in this type of player, you look at the Pelicans and how this roster is constructed, particularly the starting lineup. You have Zion, you have Bi, and you have CJ McCollum. They can all move the ball, sure, but they all they are also kind of like ball stoppery in in a way. Right, like they want to break guys down, they want to work one on one, and so to bring in someone like Hawkins running off screens, you know, why do you set screens on a floor? It's to distract defenses. It's to make them think. It's to make them move their attention somewhere else. And if you have the ultimate guy running around like Hawkins, who, yeah, he's a fourth or fifth option offensively, but he can be that perfect decoy around three isolation heavy scores. Like that's the type of player that I would actually want to bring in if I'm not targeting, you know, another lead ball handler right here, Metcalf. So I, I, I like the pick. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. If just in terms of pure shooting, he's the best guy in this class. The the movement, um, he's exhausting to cover. And then he, just even defensively, I think he's yeah. a solid on-ball defender. I think he moves his feet well. He's physical. The off-ball stuff needs some work, but he's young. It can, it can come in time. The fact that he has the, the shot preparation that he does is astounding. And, you know, the, the draft right now is comparing them to Ray Allen and Rip Hamilton, two of my favorite players of all time. Those are lofty expectations, but and when you look at style of play and, That's the idea. and yeah. shooting difficulty and versatility, there are a lot of similarities.